No love for Steven. Good. Oh, no, no, only for Tessa. It's the Kivecast. The Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, and Steven B. Denley. Market data by Brisbane Brisbane Mike and Fratastic Pete. Tech support by the Lowmark. Let's go. Sky and Steve celebrate their Diamond Jubilee episode, Ellen Haug and Tracy Martin Hamilton, who discuss Sensor Scope R2D2 and the removable limb C3PO Res- Chris's Fawcett and Jorgulius report back to the States from Celebration Europe 3. And Sky reports from Yehuda's collection room. It's a gigantic 75th Kive cast that Gargan Largans its way through foreign variations, bees, has a knockdown throwdown market watch game, a bunch of haikus, on love switcheroo, room sales, peeping tom droids, and two performances from the Kenner Vintage Commercial Play. Players. Wampa Wampa! Welcome to Kivecast 75. Uh, it's pretty cool, but we're going to have an interesting episode, because um, I already have like half an hour of it in the books and edited down. Stuff. Right, yeah. I recorded at Yehuda's and stuff from Celebration Europe 3. Okay, cool. um, And I'm just going to try and find places to stick those in in this episode. But then we're also going to have this, I don't know, Steve, I feel like, so you don't have kids, right? Or at least uh, not not yet. I have a, a furry child. There's this thing that happens where, like today, I went to the the Museum of Play in Rochester. Yeah, right. And it's actually really cool. There's lots of vintage Star Wars stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, they put up a whole uh, like vintage Hoth playset diorama. Right. Yeah, and it's got all vintage. You know, they didn't goof anything up, and uh, they they put in like these. Um, uh, like mini rigs and uh, and AT AT and this beautiful, uh, and then there's also a whole thing about the desirable twelve and it has like six of the twelve twelve backs up there, right? And it, yeah, and it describes the history of a twelve back, and I just sit there like watching all these people reading about it, thinking, yes, they're they're getting it, it's spreading. <laughs> Which has nothing yeah. to do with having kids, Steve. It just happens to be in terms of what's in the news. Um, the real mainstreaming of, of our hobby, I think, yeah. is, is having 12-packs in a major children's museum. No, that's... When I saw that picture you posted, um, I mean, the what was it? It was the Desirable 12, right? Like yes. That's, <laughs> yes, that's what that's they That's so spot on. It's like exactly... exactly it's exactly where we are now. And, and I looked at them up close, and they are not repros, and they're not graded either. Yeah. Um, they're just really high-quality examples. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Um and then later in the in the in the museum, there's also a display of a whole row of Star Wars figures, huh. uh, and one of them is uh, a Mon Julpa, <laughs> oh, right? Or Kez- yeah. Kezaban? I don't know. Yeah, There's yeah, the same yeah. guy, right? It doesn't matter. They, yeah, spoilers, guy. Come on. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's with. Is he with the first twelve? Is that what? Is that no, he's with? like just mixed in with just different vintage figures. Okay, right? he definitely <laughs> sticks out. Yeah, but that's that's vintage news. That's not my hypothesizing about having children. Um, <laughs> but but they have a whole section dedicated to the Berenstain Bears, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's great because it recreates the entire world of the Berenstain Bears, and it's just amazing. And both my kids, even though they're ten and eight, they're kind of aged out. They were playing in it. And you get this sense, you know, I call it Sunrise Sunset, you know, the, the famous song from Fiddler on the Roof, like where the, it's so bittersweet having children. You like want to laugh and cry every single time they get a little bit older. Like every time they do something new, you're happy and then you feel sad because they're losing yeah. a little bit of their innocence or dependence on you. Yeah, no, that's, 
Oh, man. Berenstain Bears. Yes. So I had this moment. I was, you know, crying, just looking at the Berenstain Bears and remembering reading to them and all that, while also smiling and having all these moments. And I realized that's what Kivecast number 75 is, Steve. (laughs) Because we, by all measures, should have moved on in our figure of the month into Return of the Jedi. Right, right. But we had to go back and take one more dip in the pool of the first 12. Just go (laughs) one more time back to Bear Country ESB (laughs) figures. Because once we get into Return of the Jedi, you know, we're really getting towards the end of the line. I mean, okay, we'll have Power of the Force and droids and Ewoks and stuff. But it it does just feel so much more mature, so much more further on down the line. So we are going to, as Steve suggested a couple months ago, revisit removable limbs C-3PO and sensor scope R2-D2. Yeah, and I just, you know, it's kind of funny. I completely forgot about them until uh, right at the, I think it might have been just last month. Like, wait a minute, we're missing somebody. Like, to me, those are, they're they're figures. I mean, they're not variations to me. So I'm I'm glad that we're we're doing this. Do they have a different assortment number? Boy, how do I not even know that? Oh, that's a... (laughs) Trademark stupidity. Um, I swear, we do tons of research for this show. We really do. We do all the best research. We have the best <laughs> researchers on this show. We research all the time, okay? Um, it's just that we... Certain, we, certain uh, basic things we yeah. tend to neglect at times. Well, we'll get back to that question later on in the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did have a movie thought, which I haven't had for a long time. Yeah, yeah. All right. So kind of getting back to, to C-3PO, what do you think is his catchphrase? Hmm. Hmm. That is a good question. Uh, I feel like he says, oh my, a lot. That's what <laughs> I had written down. Was, really? Oh my. <laughs> and for some reason, I started to think about, like, because it could be we're doomed, but I think he only says that once. Yeah. But whenever I'm doing my impersonation of C-3PO, it's just, oh my, oh my, oh my. <laughs> And then I yeah. realized that's also George Takei's trademark as, huh. as you know, post-Sulu. Oh, my. Like, so has anyone ever done the, ma- the mashup of Oh, my and Oh, my? <laughs> and then I realized there's not that many Star Wars characters that have catchphrases. Yeah, I mean, not, not specifically tied to them. I mean, there's a lot of kind of franchise-wide catchphrases. But right. yeah. May the Force be with you. I got a bad feeling about this. Right, um, right. Wizard, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm bringing it back. But there really aren't. Uh, yeah, I just I just thought that was kind of just thinking about that fact that really no one has a catchphrase. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the, the cool thing is, Steve, that the idea you had was to bring a couple people who collect C3PO and R2D2 who we haven't already talked to. Right. So yeah. we've talked to to Bill Cable a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, actually, I put it up on our Facebook page, but he does these really cool videos like the where he ranks vintage figures. Right. Yeah, he does those with uh, his brother, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'd like to promote those, um, even though I st- I'm pretty sure he never listens to the show because he thinks it's too long. Um, <laughs> at least that's what he tells me almost every time I see him. Yeah. Um, but anyway, maybe you'll listen to this one because we're talking about C-3PO. Um, but those videos are really good. And, yeah. And you should really check those out. Yeah. Um, 
But we're not going to be talking to him. We're going to be talking to Tracy Hamilton. And mm-hmm. if you remember the Baggy-tastic episode, uh, he's the sort of – he's the Brock to Bill Wills's Steve. Like they're kind of right. always together. Right. <laughs> and then Elling, uh, who's a, a well-known R2-D2 collector. So that'll, that'll be good. Yeah. Um, Steve, do you have any haikus? <laughs> I don't have any haikus. I do have a, a script, though. All right. Well, let's wanna... do that. Is this okay. going to be about the sensor scope or about removable limbs? It's it's about removable limbs. Okay. Yeah. It's getting really really hot in here. Flip this script. Flip this script. Um, all right. So, I was kind of curious if the uh, the whole thing about C three PO being blasted into pieces, how early that that was present, and it was actually in Lee Brackett's draft that I often go to, which I thought was kind of interesting. Now uh, let's just rewind this like a VHS tape. Okay. All right. Let's be all kind right. and rewind. For people who are not movie snobs. <laughs> so, Lee Brackett. Sky here. Uh, I just gave Lee Brackett credit for a whole bunch of movies that she didn't actually have anything to do with writing. Apparently, I thought that Lee Brackett was Charles Brackett. Which is funny if you know who both those people are. And astounding if you're me and you realize that you thought that they were the same person. But hey, when I was a kid, I truly thought that Howie Mandel and Barry Manilow were the same person. And I also thought that Bob Hope and the Pope were the same person. Old white dudes, I didn't know what they did, and everyone seemed to care about them. So if I confuse Lee Brackett and Charles Brackett, that's why. Hey, Lee Brackett co-wrote... The Big Sleep, Rio Bravo, two amazing movies, uh, and Long Goodbye, a couple other uh, pulpy movies, a couple other movies with John Wayne, and of course, the first draft of Empire Strikes Back. Back to Sky and Steve. So she wrote the first draft based on, on I think, at least a story outline from George. Um, and she had actually written a lot of kind of pulp sci-fi as well, which is why I think he was kind of... Uh, he kind of was gravitated towards her because he'd seen some of her sci-fi writing. Um, so she wrote the first draft, which was then, uh, you know, adapted and kind of rewritten by George and Lawrence Kasdan. So in the end, uh, I think all three have a screenwriting credit for Empire. So she she really had the first piece that was a, a finished script. But she did. Yeah. Didn't she dead during the filming of the movie or something? Yeah, it might have been leading up to to production. Um, yeah, she passed away, and um, you know it, her script is you know in many ways similar, but in many ways it's very different to what ended up happening in Empire. But this is this is one of those things that I'm like, oh yeah, that, here it is, just like it is in the in the finished product, which I kind of appreciated. Um, but yeah, so she passed away and. At that point, they kind of they kind of re revamp things, um, which it's it's fascinating. If if you ever get into to kind of compare both scripts, it's it's really fun. So um, this is one of her her inventions was this the the curious C three PO who ends up getting blasted. <laughs> yes, yeah. So um, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna do two here because I found them both kind of amusing. Okay. Um, so the first one is is uh, this is and they call Cloud City Orbital City in in this early draft so that was kind of funny um so this is towards the end of the movie after they're on the falcon getting ready to escape and uh he's actually never put in a backpack on chewie's back he's just in this box the entire time <laughs> in pieces <laughs> so they never they never have the whole backpack thing and 
so R2 activates him uh, on the ship as they're about to take off, and it's just 3PO's despair that is so central to his character. But I, I just, I almost wish this line was still in there. So he turns him on, and 3PO says, Oh no, I can't stand anymore. I've been through too much. Goodbye, R2. And then a, a handwritten addition to that is, Goodbye, world. <laughs> oh, wow. And then, and then he reaches up on his with his own hand and deactivates himself. No way! <laughs> yeah. I just, I thought that was just great. Um, <laughs> Straight up C-3PO suicide. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I, yeah, this, the handwritten edition of Goodbye World is just, ah, uh, it's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was, and then this I was is thinking kind of, of a, trying to make some kind of Schopenhauer joke, but I, <laughs> I actually don't know that much about Schopenhauer, so. I was like, C-3PO Oppenhauer? Anyway. That'll make, yeah. oh. that'll make no one laugh. Wow, so he straight up kills himself, feeling the weight of existence. Okay. Yes, yes. So then uh, after that, after things have, have improved, obviously, the situation is better. Uh, and to, this should be noted, in this version of the script, uh, you know, everyone survives, nothing that terrible happens. Uh, Han is, is heading off to find his stepfather to join the rebellion. Uh, and so um, at the end, they're in this like beautiful garden planet, all standing by the Falcon, and this kind of reminded me of the end of, of The Force Awakens, actually, the way this is set up. They're all, all the heroes are out, lining outside the ship, and uh, C-3PO is, is back in one piece, and he does, at one point, kind of similar to what he does in the, in the movie, he snaps at Chewie while he's trying to repair him. Uh, so, he shows some hum- humility here, and he's, like, trying to uh, apologize. <laughs> so, he says to Chewie, I really deserve to have my vocal apparatus sh- rusted shut for a year. You were doing your best, trying so hard, and I, well, I'm ashamed. Wow. <laughs> That's like one of the last lines of the movie. She's just. <laughs> I like this 3PO. I know. This I mean, he's not such better. a jerk. He's just, it's, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, we always jer- talk about what a jerk he is. Yeah, yeah. So, so Lee Brackett was giving him some, some humility, at least. <laughs> Boy, if that suicide thing had really stayed in there, that would have been like. That would have actually been really. Because, you know. I mean, we've all contemplated offing ourselves, you know, and depending <laughs> At one on, time or another, <laughs> depending on how far in your ideations you must go, if you had seen that movie as many times as we had at some oh point, God. at some point, if you were sitting there and you were thinking about jumping off a bridge or shooting yourself, you would think, what's the line again from C-3PO? Uh, I've been through too much. Goodbye, R2. Goodbye, world. <laughs> totally. That would be so many people's last words. Goodbye, R2. Goodbye, world. You know? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's it's a really good thing they didn't do that. That would have been like worse than uh, Kurt Cobain, you know? <laughs> wow, and apologizing to, to Chewbacca. That's, that's yeah. pretty amazing, too, because that always really bugs is. me. I mean, we've yeah. already gone over that. that the, you know, he's just a Wookiee is one of the most racist things in, right, right, in, right. in Star Wars. Yeah. That's no, uh, I, I like the the alternate take, and and I do kind of wish that some of this had had survived. <laughs> well, we have so much to get get through. We do with we do. Tracy and Elling, but I do have two sky coups. Yes, that's some important business that we have to take care of. It absolutely is some important business. I have one for each of them, and I'm really excited okay. because this means I will be able to put them on sky coups on card backs yes. for the party at Celebration Orlando. Yes. Which we are officially announcing right now, Steve, right? Yeah, we, we uh, put the deposit down. Uh, it's for Thursday night, April 13th, the usual time, 7 to 10 p.m. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're in. We're, we're so in good we're, shape. we're in. So you're going to be able to bid on the Sky Coups, such as this one. 
It's a different kind of one for a movable limb C-3PO. <laughs> Gold Sunset, C-3. Curiosity, P-O. Limbs removed, oh my. <laughs> a little different. Like I, I yeah. Of, I don't know if it's you know real haiku rules, but uh, I, I think it works uh, given your your uh, gold your sunset, catch, catch three, curiosity, po, limbs removed. Oh my. Okay, and then here's a little bit of a, a the sad erotic tale of the peeping tom known as R two D two. Okay. On tiptoes in rain, dome goes click in pea soup swamp sensor scope erect oh <laughs> uh, excellent excellent <laughs> I'd like you to read that however you want that was my other movie thought <laughs> oh okay that actually <laughs> that R2, oh no, oh, no. Maybe, we should, maybe we should stop there <laughs> that, oh, when he's outside the hut he wasn't looking into the kitchen he's looking into oh. the bathroom <laughs> He's oh. up on a great wheel. Draining <laughs> 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 uh, my lizard, I am. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, so I think those are, those are yeah. pretty good sky coups. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, but, but we have a lot to get to. I actually have to go up and hope that my kids aren't listening. I have to. I have to go uh, tuck them in and give my daughter a kiss goodnight, and my my son a, a kiss on the forehead goodnight, and just say right. say goodnight to them. Uh, then when we come back. We're going to basically go through a whole normal show uh, in this seventy fifth jamboree. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about our experiences with the figures. At some point, we're going to take you to London. Uh, at some point, we're going to take you to Queens, New York. We're going to take you all over the place, and uh, we're going to take you now. All right, Steve. So we are we're joined here. They're, they're on the they're on the the call now with us, and maybe they can answer our question, which I don't know if they can. Why don't we start? Well, let's introduce ourselves first of all. So uh, all the way up in Saskatchewan, Alberta, which, which province? Western? Alberta. Alberta. Okay. So we have uh, Elling. How's it going, Elling? Great, guys. Thanks for having me. Why did I think Saskatchewan? No one lives in Saskatchewan, right? Actually, I'm originally from Saskatchewan, and uh, Ross Cuddy is in Saskatchewan. So uh, that's, that's right. That's, that's where I you was go. thinking it. Okay. Sky here. I just was editing this show, and I can't believe how rude I was to Saskatchewan. I actually like... I've never been there, but I love the idea of Saskatchewan. Especially Saskatoon. Is there anything better than the word Saskatoon? Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So here are some Saskatchewan facts. Facts about Saskatchewan to make up for my ignorance and my chauvinism. Well, did you know the capital of Sask Saskatchewan? It's not Saskatoon. It's Regina. Uh, the name Saskatchewan comes from the Saskatchewan River, which means swift flowing river in the Cree language. Cree are some of the indigenous people who have lived there for thousands of years. But a million people live there. Saskatchewan. Come for the Saskatoon. 
Stay for the vagina. And also Moose Jaw. Moose Jaw is also in Saskatchewan. And also, they have a lacrosse team that they named after the band Rush, which is also pretty damn impressive. And the band that you're listening to now is one of the most famous bands from Saskatchewan called the Northern Pikes. Okay, now we'll get back to the interview. No one lives in Saskatchewan. Come on, Scott. The Tatooine equivalent of the collecting world. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then down from outside of Cincinnati, right, is Tracy Hamilton. Yes. Hello, and thank you as well for having me on. Yeah. So we, we basically Steve and I just couldn't move on. We we know that we should get on to Akbar and mm-hmm. on to Luke Jedi, but we couldn't let go of Empire Strikes Back. Um, we were having this sort of painful moment of, of moving on in the podcast, and Steve had the idea of contacting you guys. Now, uh, Ellen, you're basically an R2-D2 guy, right? Yeah, that's one of my main interests. So R2-D2 focus, and then also unproduced droids and Ewoks. And what is it that makes you love R2-D2? Well, I guess he's the unsung hero of pretty much all the movies, the entire saga, and... You know, I guess I've always appreciated that, sort of being quiet in the background, being there to, to support the team and, you know, be that unsung hero. Well, you, you may not like the conclusions I drew about R2-D2 right before you got on the air, Ellen, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it later when I'm positive my kids are asleep. Um, <laughs> and, and now, do you have any sort of specific feelings about the sensor scope? Well, you know, it's likely my, oddly enough, it's my least favorite uh, R2-D2 figure. All right, well, glad to have you on. Uh, catch you next month. Yeah, good night, <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for calling. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. So how many, there's what? There's four different R2-D2s, right? The, yeah, there'll be yeah. three from the, the, the movie series, and then there's the, the droids version as well. So Okay. Because, I mean, to me, the sensor scope... I don't even, I, Steve. This is the seventy-fifth episode. And I've never told a story about wanting a sensor scope, but <laughs> you know, because all the all the toys I got were hand-me-downs from my brothers, who all got the original twelve. You know, so mm. I never had a chance to get a sensor scope. And my friends had the sensor scope, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Like I thought there could not be a possibly a cooler toy out there than something that had a sensor scope. Mm. And I never got one up until about four years ago when Tom Quinn just gave me one because he's a nice guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder, but this may be kind of a more general question. Do, is it possible that more sensor scope R2-D2s are in bad shape because kids put them underwater? Ooh. You know, that would be a reasonable assumption, yep. Hmm, Looking in the mud pits. Yeah, we're going to have to test it. And, yeah. and, and speaking of, of bad condition, Tracy, as the C-3PO expert, do you also hate removable limb C-3PO? Um, I don't necessarily hate him. Um, actually, I, I thought it was kind of cool that he, uh, was able to come apart and go in the net because, um, for me, I think my interest in the movies and, uh, subsequently the toys peaked during Empire. So I got some of the early stuff in the, in the Christmas, you know, for the Christmas of like 78 and 79, of course. But when Empire 
came out and the, to- and the Empire of Toys hit the store shelves, I was like in full swing. So I actually uh, got into R2 Centroscope and the removable limbs 3PO probably more so than the originals um, because I just had so much anticipation to see the film and then um, I was more, gra- I gravitated more towards those characters like, you know, Han Hoth and Luke Hoth and and those guys. R2-D2 card back. So it's actually R2-D2 talking to C-3PO. I don't know why C-3PO looks so short. It's kind of a weird picture. I've never seen the original <laughs> picture. I don't really know. It's like C-3PO is pointing at it. I don't know why C-3PO is there. And then Chewbacca yeah, is, is all over the C-3PO card back. But I've never, even though I'm a huge focus collector, I've never thought of collecting that. I've never thought of owning that. I was actually going to ask you that exact question, Scott, because I, I, that same thought kind of occurred to me looking at this again. And I, it's they're kind of intertwined, you know. They are, but it just mm-hmm. it just for some reason it just doesn't it doesn't do it for me. Um, you know, Steve, you made a whole you made a whole outline for the show. So where do you want to take the show, Steve? <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of up to you guys. I mean, no, it's up to you, Steve. Take the reins. <laughs> Well, do you want to talk about some of the, the weird foreign stuff that we all know we know nothing about? Yes. <laughs> a little, a little self-education? Sure. Okay. Time to take a world tour with removable limb C-3PO and sensor scope R2-D2. Well, as this is my thing, right? So I'm a big language guy. Yeah. So the things that you're mm-hmm. showing here, my favorite thing about the removable limbs and about the sensor scope is just the sheer amount of foreign language that I'm going to get to pronounce on this on this <laughs> podcast. So where do you want to start, Wait. Steve? Uh, let's see. Why don't we go? Let's see here. Why don't we start with the uh, the tri logo R2? Is there anything interesting on that? Well, it's I didn't know about it, right? So this is so <laughs> Stéphane Faucourt, who we will actually hear from. Um, Chris Fawcett interviewed him in in uh, Celebration Europe. And then actually, Chris Jorgulius interviewed him as well. And it was a very similar interview, so I just chose the Chris Fawcett one. Uh, sorry, Chris, but you at least get an awesome new theme song coming up on, the, on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, that apparently there is a... Well, you tell me, Steve. What, what's interesting about okay. this? So so for the French-produced and French-released uh, Trilogo R2 sensor scope, at least the early ones, uh, the figure itself was just the, the standard R2. So it's completely false advertising. Yeah. <laughs> but does it, it does so. say with sensor scope, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. On the card back, it, it says with sensor scope. But um, oh, yeah, I just goodness. thought that was, that was kind of funny. It's, it's not a production error. It's just the, uh, the um, I guess, you know, not just the, the, the uh, sensor scope card, but the, just the regular Meccano Return of the Jedi uh, and the early Trilogos had had just the regular figure, which um, I, I did not know that. So I'm like, oh, that's something I didn't know. Got to at least bring it up. <laughs> and the photo art wow. is completely different. I didn't know that either. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's it's very, yeah, it's similar, but totally different. You're right. No, it's weird. But yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I never I never realized that either till just now. And um, that's, yeah. that's almost like... It's empty they have flipped the image. Left and oh, right, okay, the mirror yeah. image. Well, wait a minute. No, not quite. Well, it looks, no, no, it's, it looks like Archie is leaning back. Yeah, further, it, something. it's a different picture. It's actually a different picture. They took R2-D2 and they tilted him back. Because 
Basically, on the original card back, the sensor scope, you have a slightly tilted R2-D2 with a completely erect C-3PO. And then on the tri-logo, it like it cuts off all of his head, all of C-3PO's head, so all you see is his hands and his torso. And then, right. and then R2-D2 is like completely at like a 45-degree angle. That's... <laughs> It almost looks like they just rotated the picture. It does, but not C-3PO. He didn't rotate. Oh, you're right. That is so bizarre. This is really weird. So you really need the enhanced episode, or hopefully you're watching this on YouTube or whatever version you're looking at it. Because we're, I'm trying to describe this, but this is a very funky thing. Um, yeah, you almost need to have like the side-by-side. Yeah. This yeah, is great. So when I was confused with the, the mirror image, that's the, the power of the force card back versus the tri-logo power of the force. It's basically a flipped mirror image, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's very yeah. similar imagery, but but not quite the same. And, and also... I mean, they do yeah. a lot of airbrushing with some of this photo art as well, so right. you know, even 3PO's position relative to R2-D2, I mean, you know, there was, you know, imagery in the movie with the two of them together, and essentially it could be just a, a you know, large amount of airbrushing and even some just physical cutting to adjust 3PO relative to R2 so it fits within the card. Right. Because mm-hmm. R2-D2 yeah. with a sensor scope on a blue background is, is perhaps slightly out of context. You know, like, how do you make snow interesting on Hoth? So if you put 3PO <laughs> right. in there, it's a little bit of contrast, right? Oh, is he supposed yeah. to be on Hoth? Yeah, yeah. That's, that was my, that was always my impression. Okay. That was my thought, too. Yep. I mean, so, I don't think it's Dagobah. Because I mean, he'd be hovering over the water if it if it were Dagobah. But <laughs> wait a minute, this is the first time I've ever actually put this together. <laughs> the sensor scope in Dagobah is the same as the sensor scope on Hoth. Is that right? <laughs> I think yeah, so. It's the same character. I I know it's the same character, but I never realized that when he was under the water and that oh. thing was sticking out. I've wait only thought of this. Hold on. What? Okay, so when he's under the water, doesn't he have it's like a little flashlight that's on his on the? Is it a different apparatus? Is it a different scope? <laughs> Ooh, you know what? It might be a different apparatus than from from Hoth. Because on Hoth, it's got the little radar dish that is kind of spinning around, right? And then that's on right. Hitler, he's got the little flashlight. So I wonder if he's just got another. Another scope. Wow. Okay, so I always thought that it was the thing on Dagobah. I have never, <laughs> in my entire my entire life of lusting after this toy, my entire four days of playing with this toy in my office, I've never four thought days. about, that's why it's a sensor scope. Now, wait a minute. Here we go. Hey there, Mr. Canada, Mr. Born in Saskatoon, but now lives outside of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Your country got it all mixed up, or your country is right. Because first of all, what is a sensor scope, right? That's just a weird word. They come up like a hydro spanner, like it doesn't actually exist, but you hear it. And yeah, you're like, it's, it's yeah, a, it's, it's like trademarked on on the card back, which I thought was kind of funny. Right, but but your country, <laughs> right. uh, up in the Great White North, where I'm actually going to be going this weekend, uh, romantic getaway to Toronto. They had the vacuum. I'm sorry. What do we call it? The skin wrapped figures. Skin wrapped. Right? Yeah. Right. We had. They had the skin-wrapped figures, and they didn't call it a sensor scope. What did they call it, Elling? Uh, they called it periscope. <gasps> <laughs> periscope. So it's a periscope it. in Dagobah <laughs> and a sensor scope on Hoth. Yeah. But it's two different there things. Yeah. But on it's the two different things. 
because it's in in Chris Jorgulius's, uh, uh write up, he says why is the name why the name is altered is a mystery since it almost is the same as CensorScope, the description we're familiar with. But Chris doesn't mention that they're actually two different things or two different purposes. So wow. So m maybe I'm just really a Canadian at heart because I've always thought about it as a periscope, which is how mm -hmm. he uses it in Dagobah. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, here's another question. So those were often packed into multi-packs, right, Elling? Uh, the skin wraps? Yeah. Not too often. Not no. too often? Because I, I was wondering if they were like packed in with Dagobah-related stuff as opposed to... No, that doesn't make sense. Okay. Yeah. Scott, Scott Bradley would be the man to ask on that. But to me, I mean, my vague recollection would be that it, it was a little bit of a mix and match. I can absolutely remember skin wrap figures on the pegs. Um, and I know, I believe they were also in, in the multi-packs as well. But there was only six skin wrap figures that you know were exclusive to Canada. Right. Uh, R2 was just one of those. And they were all, you know, Empire Series figures, but uh, they weren't necessarily Dagobah people. Like, there was no Yoda, there was no... Um, you know, Luke and Vespa fatigues or anything like that. Right. Now, do do you have the skin wrapped one, uh, Elling? I don't, unfortunately. No, it's been on my on my list for quite some time. But you know, you get distracted with other priority purchases, and you know, uh, there's just not really that many around. They're pretty popular, and and nowadays the prices and all those skin wrap figures is going through the roof. So yeah, oh, patience. One. I've been in this a long time, so I'm patient. It'll happen. And there you go. Cost an arm and a leg at the time, but how long have you been focusing on R2? Uh, well, actually, funny enough, I didn't start my uh, character focus until about 2006, um, and I did it as a a way to sort of break out of the the norm, you know, just sort of the standard, you know, North American, you know, U.S. Canadian carded stuff. Um, and it was actually Brian Simmons who I guess I'd consider to be sort of the original R2 focus collector, certainly for for North America. Um, he was upgrading some pieces, so he was selling off, you know, his extra ones, which were in beautiful condition, fair prices, and of course, you know, Brian is, uh, you know, very well known within the community, so it was a very safe sale. Um, and I bought a number of pieces off him, and that's how I started to to build my my R2 focus. Uh, which, nice. funny enough, Mike Ritter, uh, years later, when when Brian Simmons uh, sold his R2 collection, Mike Ritter ended up purchasing that. So, you know, Mike and I. You know, compete at times for for various R2 pieces, and and really, it's it's Brian's fault that I'm into R2D2, <laughs> and uh, so wow. Mike has to pay that that price both literally and uh, figuratively he, nowadays. He so. sold the weapons to both sides of the Civil War, and now he, he just gets to go back and <laughs> count the money. Yep. And, yeah, yeah, arming the rebels, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's funny because a lot of people listen to our podcast are relatively new listeners. I mean, Brian Simmons was like. He was like the Bill McBride of R2-D2. He was like the super-duper big guy everywhere, the first name in R2, mm -hmm. and then he just sold out, and, and now there's two of you guys. It's like Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a few other radical countries out there as well. <laughs> yes. you know, a lot of people are interested in R2-D2. <laughs> you know, they consider them the, their focus as well, but uh, certainly Mike, he would be uh, you know pretty much the predominant one for, for North America. Uh, I do have a lot of R2 stuff. I do, you know, like I said, focus on that. But I, I you know, again, unproduced droids, Ewoks, prototypes, um, you know, that certainly takes uh, my my main attention. Right. Okay, Steve, so you're, you're taking us around the world. Uh, where, yep. where else? So, would you, so uh, we're, we've been to Canada. We've been to France. Right. Why don't we go to uh, Peru? Oh, so, Peru. 
Yeah, I feel like I, I know you have some pretty, or at least the the, the Basa Chewbacca. Yes. But this is a another Basa piece that, that this is from a few years ago, and I, I remember I think this came out or came around 2012. Yeah. yeah. So the 45 back uh, just Kenner produced C3PO, and up until this point, there was no real evidence of them being produced. Um, okay, so so, that, these, so that's a yeah. question. So then the 45 yeah. back should have been the debut of C-3PO with removable right. names? Right. So there's proof cards that existed for it. Um, and then there was one card back from Peru that had the BASA sticker, and then a second one turned up, uh, which was in the collection of Bill Cable. But um, it's just crazy to see this, you know, otherwise regular Kenner card back uh turn up in just such limited quantity from a country like Peru. Uh, I just thought it was a really mm-hmm. fascinating story. Um, and I just remember how excited Bill was to, to get one of these. Um, but yeah, I just thought that that, that, that whole like, kind of distribution mystery of like why, why would these regular Kenner figures and only, only show up in this, from this one very specific place? I feel like we're back in the weird horse hockey of Forlom <laughs> and Zuckus. And yeah, all these weird, yeah. like, mm-hmm. what was supposed to debut on a 45 back and what was supposed to debut mm-hmm. on a 48. So what yeah. is the real debut of C-3PO the removable limbs? So, mm. I mean, carded, I think it's, in, in, in America anyway, it's the, the 47, other than these card backs that exist that were, you know, sourced from Peru. Um, but yeah, it's it's just crazy that of all places and of all toy lines, that's, that's where this one comes from and that's the only known basa card back right yeah i think uh i think now there's two so there's the one that the, the luis galvez had and then he had sourced another one um that uh that bill cable ended up with uh, at celebration six actually so yeah it's just it's nuts there's only two that's amazing well i, I think now is as good of a time as any steve to, to mention the fact that um I mean, Tracy is actually kind of a legend. Am I wrong, Steve? Sorry, you just cut out there, Scott. Can you say that again? I said I said Tracy was a jerk. No, I said Tracy... <laughs> That's right. That's more like it. No, that Tracy, at least to me, is somewhat of a legend. Well, you're too kind. Well, well let, let, <laughs> let me say why. So, you know, there are certain, like, there are certain moments in collecting where you see things presented in a certain way and you just immediately want to do that. A great example is Ron Salvatore looking at From Screen to Concept to Collectible, I mean From Concept to Screen to Collectible by Steve Sansweet, and seeing the Luke Hoth micro four-up pre-production picture and saying, I want to do that. So Ron Salvatore did that. So in it was a Tomart's price, not price guide, but Tomart's action figure digest, right? Oh, yeah, yes, AFD. Yeah, uh, Action Figure Digest from about maybe 10 years ago. Tracy had an article that was, you know, Steve, we haven't even talked about this really, but Tomart's Action Figure Digest came out with like the history of Kenner. Right, right. And it was this amazing thing, and they're really uptight about scanning and and posting things, so we can't really do that. But it was this amazing, like, 10, well, it was supposed to be a 10 part series, but they did eight, and then they stopped. I don't know, or they didn't do all of them. But right. but one of them was this article that Tracy wrote that then he also put in a uh, 
in a, a, a panel at Celebration on pre-production. And I know that it really influenced Matthias as well for everything he's doing. Um, and how do I describe it? How would you describe it, Tracy? What was it that you were trying to put together when you, when you wrote that article about the pre-production process? Well, basically it was uh, dealing with how the whole 2D process, you know, from start to finish. Um, and then one of the main reasons I got into that and that I was fortunate enough, Bill Wills helped me, you know, we wrote that together, and then the editor... Um, for the magazine was actually familiar with uh, the, some of the process as well, and he helped um, edit that. But the main reason was Bill and I turned up a former Kenner employee, and he was, him and one other guy were basically responsible for nearly all of the vintage uh, cardback artwork. And he was a designer, and... Um, I'm sorry, I think, if I remember correctly, he might have uh, been employed by LPK. Right. But, but but when we had the opportunity to meet with this guy, and he basically explained the entire process to us, um, it was just so fascinating because there was so much that I just, I had no idea how this whole process went. Because, you know, obviously this was before the computer, and this was all done painstakingly by hand. And basically, you know, just pasting everything up by hand and um, photographing it and creating films and that sort of thing. But, you know, it all started with the photo art. Right. So they essentially took, you know, the images from the film, which is why, personally, I believe the packaging and the figures and everything was such a huge, huge success. I mean, I could go on for hours about that, how Kenner, you know, their design for the card back and, and all that and the imagery and using the stills from the films and everything just really tied it in from a merchandising standpoint. It was, it was genius. Absolutely. But it started with the, it started with the uh, images from the film and then those images, uh, images as you alluded to earlier, uh, were airbrushed and, and that, you know, formed into the, uh, to the package art and then they had the uh, racetrack design and of course the logo and um, just creating all of that artwork up up through the final uh, printed pieces. Uh, it was just a pretty pretty painstaking and a pretty awesome um, uh, process that, that we, were, we, we were able to learn about. And then we, we interviewed him, and we mentioned him in that article, and we wrote that article. But I was so fortunate enough to also be able to pick up pieces from all of that pre-production, and it just really resonated with me because I was able to get 3PO's original artwork. I was able to get the original inner negative that was used to make the photo art and um, pieces like that, you know, a, a chromolin right. and a proof and, every, and a sign-off sample. So just being able to put all those pieces together, it was it was pretty awesome for me personally from a collecting standpoint. But collecting, and it was didactic, and everyone was able to see it. And I have to say, part of me is so mad at you because, you know, I, I, I have the, you know, the Chewy Endor photo art, and that was the nicest piece of my collection, and it was like the, maybe the 10th thing I bought. I just got it really quickly. Yeah. But ever since I saw your article, I'm like, I need the slide. So, like, I have, I have the photo art. I have, I think, I think every Chromalin known, or at least, most of the Chromelins known associated with that image. I have, nice. I believe, most of the proofs associated with that image. But I don't have 
the slide and it drives me crazy because I'm like, when if I just, that's the, <laughs> it's in Tracy's article, he said I need to have the slide. So it's this <laughs> funny thing, which I wouldn't even really know how to display, but it just, it just drives me crazy that I don't have the original Endor Chewy slide. So, oh, we must track that down. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is an outrage. Yes, this is an outrage. <laughs> and I would have mentioned that you wrote that article with Bill, but because we had, you see, it's, it's kind of it's kind of tricky because what we did was we had Bill on without you, and what we're trying to yeah. do is almost like separating Han and Chewie, separating three PO and R two D two. You know, like yeah. like let you guys have your time to shine, sort of away from each other, because you guys are such good friends, and I feel like I always see you together. Oh well, I appreciate that. No, I, I totally understand, and um, I, I appreciate the kind words about the article. It was it was a lot of fun to write, and it was really nice to to meet the guy who was responsible for for most of it. And you know, when a lot of that two D stuff hit the market early, early on, it really didn't strike a chord with very many people. There were a few people that latched onto it, but you know, some of that stuff remained available for quite a long time and I just always felt so fortunate to be able to finally pick up pieces that fit into my focus and uh, of course it's all gone now but over the years you know it has become uh, quite popular and it's a it's a neat aspect of the whole carded figure design you know you've got the, the coin stuff as well um, but yeah, well, it's just well I, have I, the thing is, is you know, we talk a lot on the show about tastemakers, and I do think that a lot of the people who saw your article and who saw your was it Celebration Four that you you explained the whole the whole two D process. Um, I believe it was. Yeah, I think I think yes. it was Celebration Four. You know, I know that really inspired Matthias, and Matthias set the taste for Sweden. So everybody in Sweden has to have three thousand proof cards. Um, you know, and 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 certainly it inspired well, me. And on on this podcast, for whatever influence this podcast has, we're, I'm constantly talking about how important two D is, and and sort of all that in in confluence. It's it's one of my favorite things, but it makes people mad. Sorry, I was going to say we see that repeat quite often throughout the you know the years within the hobby. You know, where, where something is, is available in quantity and people just disregard it. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, proof cards, you know, Steve Denny, when he, when he first brought out all the proof cards, like, well, there, there's, you know, several of each. So it's like, well, no big deal. These will never be worth anything. And it's not until, you know, they'll start to filter out through the market, the years pass by, and then you reflect back and think, you know, why didn't I grab those? But, and, and it's the same with anything. I mean, if it's carded figures or loose figures, you know, as soon as something is, is readily available, if it's not a challenge, there's no hunt, then we don't appreciate it quite the same way, and we're more likely to, to pass it by. And there's, you know, key people throughout the hobby, throughout the years that have said, no, I'm just going to pick this up. And, and, you know, that's been, you know, just a stroke of genius on their part to have done that. But, you know, it, it happens, like I said, time and time again. I'm, I'm telling you, that's part of the reason I collect 48 bees the way I do. Eventually, everyone's going to realize how rare they are, and they're going to come knocking on my door saying, Sky, we want 48 bees. But I'm going to say, you're the, be- pi- you're the pi- yeah. pioneer, Steve, or Sky. You're that's setting, right. setting the trends for sure. Yeah. So I think I, saw, I think I saw that trending on Facebook the other day. So you're doing great. <laughs> now, do you guys have 48 bees of R2D2 and C3PO? Uh, I no, do I, I, I don't either. No, you see, I got a forty-five, and it's a big, big gap. You've been driving up the prices on those. So, 
Yeah, I'm just saying. Eventually, people are going to realize. You know, the next R2D2 guy is going to show up, and he's going to be. Mm -hmm. He's going to be like, I got to get every single card back, and he's going to get the 48A, and he's going to get the 48C, and then he's going to be like, Oh, where's the 48B? And by that time, I already have one. And and I guess (laughs) I have to say that the German stuff is some of my favorite. Yeah, um, yeah, that was actually. I was gonna see if you wanted to go there next. Um, so the German, the German forty-five backs for these two. Right. So then the forty-five uh, backs were not released in America, but they were released in Peru, and they were released in Germany. And it says, "Jetzt mit Sensorscope." That that's for uh, for R2D2, which of course means now with Sensorscope. Jetzt mit Sensorscope. It's cool because jetzt uh, and mit are two words I know. And then in German. For C-3PO, it says, Jetzt mit Abendbaren, Armen und Beinen, Servi mit Rucksack. <laughs> Which that ma- sounds just like action-packed, right? Well, it made me realize that, yes. that Rucksack is a word we use for backpack, and that just comes from the German word Rucksack. Yeah, there you go. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just love that they had to, to go all the way out. And of course, nothing beats, as always... Nothing beats Canada with its amazing. This is a really weird one. So then there was no 45 back in America, but there right. was in 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 Canada. Canada. So this and is and I'm not sure. Was wasn't there a 45 for the U.S. for R2? I mean, yeah, there wasn't one. For oh, yes, no. for R2. Yeah, yeah, yes, no. yeah, no. But there was a 45 for U.S. Right, and oh. then there was also one for for Germany as well, which you described. Okay, yeah. right, yeah, I'm, I'm getting C3P and R2D2 mixed up because they're basically the same character. Um, Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the, right. this Canada is, I don't think, I, I think this wins the award for most amount of text on a Star Wars card back, <laughs> because you have it with ages four and up a partir de quatre ans, and then C3PO removable limbs. But they didn't translate that. But then it has now with removable arms, legs, and backpack. Nouveau avec bras, jambes, sac à dos, détachable. And then there's the display arena. See yes. back for display arena offer. Voilà offre centre d'étalage au verso. There's like all, and then even all the stuff with Hana Avenue and and it, there's so many words on the front of this. And I'd never seen this before. I, I suppose this must be really rare. It's uh, it's just making sure all the bases are covered. I mean, <laughs> that's what I kind of thought was funny about these is that yeah, they have the the feature and the nameplate for three PO, and then it's restated basically in a new way, and then translated into French. So you, you have you just make sure you know what you're getting. <laughs> yep. And all right, so here's the quick question: Elling and Tracy, do R two D two and C three PO? have different assortment numbers when they became sensor scope and removable limbs. Yes or no? Ooh, when 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 R2 transitioned, I think he got a different number. Is that what you're Yeah, asking? I would agree that R2 R2 and 3PO are, are definitely different numbers. Right, but I mean but I mean character as, from solid dome to sensor scope, is it did they keep the same number or go to a different number? I thought he got a different assortment number. Yes, it appears as yeah, though he did. I would think so. So they really, I don't know. I thought, what's the point of that, Steve? It was just that we didn't know. <laughs> I mean, that seemed like that was really important, but it's actually not very important. Well, hey, I think to me well, that actually, kind of signifies it, it, new identity, right? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. does. And I think it is important too, because if you look at the card back, as you transition through the different phases of R2, solid, sensor scope, and then pop-up saver, 
they don't add those figures to the card back. You only ever mm-hmm. get one R2, and you only ever, right. ever get one C3PO. Mm-hmm. So the Collect 92 and the Power of the Force back, really, there's an extra 3PO, and there's two extra R2-D2s. So mm-hmm. it's really 95. Yeah. And, yeah, and all the other characters, right. Han, Han, Leia, Luke, as they get different you know, outfits, all those figures are included. So you know, R2 and 3PO kind of get, get the shaft. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I guess they figured yeah, the original. Yeah, that, that nobody would buy a regular C-3PO. It's it's like a different versions of a of an iPhone. They just get upgraded. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, then, and then the old figure gets phased out as well, right? right. So then you see the yeah. solid dome transitions, mm-hmm. you know, midway through the the Empire series, and then you get sensor soap all the way through to the end of Jedi, and then it's not until Power of the Force that you see the the new pop up saver. Yeah. It's just technology so, up- upgrades. <laughs> you know, so you don't get a Jedi card with a solid dome. You know, solid dome is, is down at that point. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like I like both these figures. I think I think I like the the sensor scope just because I really wanted it growing up. But yeah, the solid dome is really sweet. You know what, Steve? I have to come up with some kind of intro for this little thing that Steve takes us around the world with all these things because I think I think we need to stop talking about all these foreign runs. Is that, is that okay, Steve? Yeah, that's okay. I think we've we've covered enough. <laughs> world tour over. Much too. Hey, Kivecast listeners, this is Rovering Reporter CJ out here at Celebration Europe. Just doing some reconnaissance for Sky and the gang, who unfortunately couldn't be with us this time. So I'm just uh, here on Thursday night, walking around the hall a little bit. Um, we got a giant, I'd say that's about a 20-foot AT-AT. I think we've seen that one at Celebration before, but the most impressive new thing, which I'm sure the guys will post in the show notes, is a pretty much full-size TIE fighter from The Force Awakens. Pretty, pretty amazing that they were able to build that here. Uh, so there's a giant Lego booth. EA has a huge booth. Sphero has a booth here. Uh, I'm in the North Hall, I believe, right now. They walked walk through the Celebration store. A second ago, they weren't open yet, but I got a sneak peek. Can't believe how many T-shirts they have this year. Lots and lots of T-shirts and some other cool stuff, too, but... Seemed like it was mostly T-shirts, but way better selection than uh, Celebration Anaheim. So I'm gonna head on over to the South Hall. Maybe I'll do another report from over there. All right, CJ, checking in again here from the South Hall. Uh, mostly vendors over here. Lego has another booth. Um, Prop Store has some pretty awesome stuff out. They've got a Duro's head. They've got. A uh, little miniature snow speeder. They've got Hans Bestman jacket. I mean, I'll just have to get some pictures there and show you guys. The other cool thing was also a... Uh... Man, there's like two Lego booths here. Giant stage for Rogue One. And uh, the other cool thing I just saw that I didn't know was going to be here is ILM has a, a quite a large area over here that is let me see i'm going around the corner and see what the sign says it's the ilm x lab immersive entertainment so i have no idea what that is i think it's like the things we've seen recently on some of the ilm videos we've seen where it's kind of a virtual reality kind of a thing i don't know but i'm going to check it out tomorrow and i'll let you guys know 
It's CJ here again. It's Thursday night. The con hasn't even started. I'm here with Matias. How are you doing so far? I'm doing really well, actually. What do you, what do you think of the convention? So far, it's a lot of European collectors. That's the most fun part. So you're basically saying Americans aren't fun? Yes. And uh, <laughs> please uh, cut it out, this guy. Uh, no. We've been thrown out from one place because we couldn't have karaoke already. And, uh, well, that's the story so far. But uh, so far it looks pretty good. Okay, we'll check in with you after the real first day tomorrow. Yeah, if I'm away. Cheers. Okay, guys, CJ here again reporting in from... Celebration London. I have with me Stefan. Your last name is Falcourt. Am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, that's right. Stefan Falcourt. Okay. And uh, he's got with him here in his hand, we're looking at his brand new book. I'm going to let him tell you guys a little bit about it. Okay, so hi everyone. I'm very pleased to be here on the the Chatcast. So this new book is is called The Mechano Trilogo Collector's Handbook. And that's. the idea is to have something you can carry on everywhere, and uh, having with you all the all the Meccano and Trilogo cards which were released in France, and uh, you can see uh, all the all the the, the, the items with, no, with only one large one large picture per page, and you can really uh, enjoy the item and uh, and see uh, how it is, and you can also find uh, a variation guide with all the the, the front backs combination on each page. And also the rarity guide, rarity index, which tells you if the card is common or rare or, or uh, very rare. Uh, and um, so it's really uh, something uh, really we wanted something you can really enjoy by having the pictures of the item. You can also check your items, and you you can carry it everywhere. So that's really a, a very useful resource for collectors, for any collector. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a small book. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. So it's a maybe this. Size, yeah. It's kind of pocket, big, big pockets. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so, pocket it's, size. It's the common standard for pockets, uh, for pocket size. Yeah. Books. Yeah. So it's it's I don't know what is it like maybe a little bit. It's a five by seven. Five inches. by seven inches. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then you've got you've got all the Meccano stuff in here, but you also have all the Trilogo stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Which was distributed outside of France as yeah. well, right? Yeah. So not only the the French stuff, but all the the Trilogos as well. Yeah. And um, you just crushed my hopes as I was looking through this book. You you know that, right? Because yeah. I think like even on a podcast recently, I had mentioned the only foreign variant of the Han Hoth that I'm missing is the Meccano Jedi which for some reason I was under a misconception of how rare it is yeah but what did you what did, the, how rare is this one again so it's definitely one of the rarest uh, the rarest version of Jedi Meccano cards uh, the thing is that uh, the the, um, the Meccano the, the Return of Jedi um, early characters I mean the re-release the Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back uh, character re-release on Return of Jedi cards were released only uh, around mid-1993 during a very short time before the new movie came out. So this was just repackaging existing toys with the new logo before the new movie was out. And then after the movie came out, it was all Jedi? Yeah. They stopped so, making the Empire on that card? No, they, they, they re-released. These this, this were the, the 45 backs, and they re-released the cards on, on 65 backs. And so these, these were both, uh, I mean, the, the release character, the re-release character, uh, there, there were very, very uh, short, short, short runs, you know. Uh, 
And, uh, and after that, you have the, the real Jedi characters on 65 uh, backs. Right. And then they went to the tri-logos. Yeah, so you'll yeah. see these a lot lot cheaper on the tri-logos, a lot, a lot easier to find, like, the Empire figures on the tri-logo cards than oh, on yeah, these sure, Meccano yeah, cards. Yeah, because they were released just shortly right. after as well. So, so definitely the, the, the release, the, the Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back uh, release characters are very difficult to find uh, either on, uh, on Return of Jedi 45 backs and also on uh, Return of Jedi 65 backs because there was issue for, for a very, very short, short period time. of time. Okay, so tell me, in your opinion, show me the rarest one in this whole book. What do you think that is? Well, so that's a very uh, tricky question. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess, yeah, for some of the... I, I don't think we can just uh, name just one single rare item. Okay, but, give me the top uh, top but, three or four or five. Well, of course, there are, there's the... the First, we have to explain the, the rarity index. The, 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 um, so the, the, rarity, the rarity index is not based only on the rarity itself of the items, but also on, on various factors. But for example, if you take um, the Trilogo Boba Fett, it's, it's, not, uh, it's rare, but it's rare just because collectors who have it just right. want to keep it. So it's high price because so, there's high demand, not necessarily because yeah. it's super rare. And it's difficult to find because collectors who have it wants, just want to keep it in their collection. They right. don't want to part with it. But otherwise, it's not that rare. But it has become rare for, this, for that reason. So um, there are I mean that there are different, different, different kinds of reasons for which uh, an item is rare. So I'm talking rare. truly rare, like maybe so, one known or two known or that kind of rarity. So I would say the yeah the the, the hand heart is a good the hand heart on return Jedi it's just is a good example. Just rubbing Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I only saw Any once. Others? I only saw once on carded condition, and I only saw, I only saw maybe two or three card backs, and only one forty-five back card backs. So that's very difficult. Is there any uh, others that you only know of one or two that exist? Yeah, this one too, the, the Leia Hot. It's okay, very Leia uh, difficult to find as well. The Hoth ones in general, it sounds like. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, and mostly all the the early uh, the, the the really the Empire characters on which I like two one B Lobot. So they are very difficult to come by. Uh, this this is for the Jedi's. Uh, for the for the of course you have some not all but some of the Star Wars characters on which of Jedi like uh, like uh, Tuscan Raider and Luke Pilots. Yeah, very they hard. Very difficult to find on Return of Jedi. More than Luke and, and Leia. Oh, the Leia's, of course, I was about to find. Original Leia on a but Jedi the, yeah. card. So this one That's rare in the Kenner version, Yeah. relatively speaking. And so yeah, I, gotta, yeah, I gotta yeah. imagine the Meccano's so, even yeah, this is very, crazier. In fact, it wasn't. It was, we didn't even know it, exi it existed. I, I believe it, it, it existed but because there are some reference in catalogs, but we, we, were, we were not sure until 2014. Two years ago yeah. was the first time one yeah. turned up. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So, in five, uh, five turned up. Five turned up. Yeah, in, a, in a lot of uh, forty-eight figures, which was found in a in a box assortment. That's a pretty good find uh, in a French from, auction. From yeah. zero known to five yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah. Did you buy? Uh, did you did you buy them all? No, because <laughs> it's not it's not. A, I, I do not focus on return of return of Jedi cards, and they are so so difficult to get much more with the, than square cards. Then I finally gave up on this. So I, I just kept a few major characters like Chewie or Vader, or, mm -hmm. but I didn't go into the, into the Leia. And, and now that I can buy it just for the money, it doesn't interest me anymore. You see what I mean? I, yeah. I, I like also the hunt, so see, see if, I, if I can just now go to the store and buy it, it doesn't really appeal, appeal me anymore. 
on, on the square card, some of the rarest one. Uh, the square is the empire. I know you guys can't yeah. see what the book we're flipping through, but the square the square cards are the empire cards. So on the empire, I guess Fett was among the rarest, but uh, we've seen three over the last year surface. Mm -hmm. So you never know. Uh, but it's still a, a high demand character. So uh, and most of the others are pretty rare. Bosk, I've seen Bosk only two or three times. Uh, Ugnot is not it's not so easy to find. It looks a very common character, but it's not not that easy to find. Um, and uh, the others are very difficult, but they, they, they show up from time they to time. Up, yeah. And um, on the 20 bucks, carry the square card, 20 bucks. The rarest one are definitely R5D4 and Luke X-Wing. Luke X-Wing again, another uh, hard, hard one. So Luke like X-Wing is maybe known in maybe three or four in collections, and none, none, of, the, none of them are sealed. So, and the, the one I have with unpunched condition is really the better looking one in existence, at least uh, in, in public collections. Uh, yeah. So tell everybody, um, how they can get this book if they're interested in buying it. And by the way, I just gotta say it's really great. It's great big color pictures on every single page. It's really a nice reference. Not a whole lot of text. It's really about just showcasing the images, and it, it's really fantastic. So tell everybody how, you, how they can get it. Yes, yeah, so to complete to just what you said. Before each series, we got a, a view of the card back. So before each uh, each uh, series of card, the, the cards are presented in the way they are, they were released on the market, and uh, there is a very short introduction. Uh, with only uh, one page of text, and the idea for the reader is to know, uh, okay, what was this series? What it is about? How was it released? What what should I know? What is uh, just one or two things I should know? And what are my chances, or in which condition I should be able to find them today? Uh, so yeah, the book is uh, the book is uh, is available on Amazon. On so Amazon, you, okay. So you can find it, but just by typing Mechano Trader Go Handbook. Uh, it, sh it should be enough to find it on Amazon UK or Amazon.com. Okay. And uh, the, the price, if I'm correct, is uh, is 28 pounds uh, on Amazon UK, and uh, I don't remember. It don't sh remember. should be one to 40. Okay. Uh, Whatever it is, I'm telling you guys, it's worth it. Really awesome book. Um, great job on it, Stefan. Thanks for chatting with us. And also, I want to add that uh, Yann Leroux, uh, my friend Yann, was a has designed a new a brand, a new cover, uh, a very exciting cover with a, a kind of path patchwork of, uh, of cadet figures. And he also designed all the layout you can see inside the book with all the, the backgrounds, which are different backgrounds uh, uh, for each series of figures. Very nice. Thank you. Appreciate okay. talking. Thanks. Thanks, Reviendra comme au jour de mes premiers amours, tous les serments de cœur, tous les serments d'amour, tous les serre-moi, serre-moi dans tes bras, mon amour. Hey guys, CJ back here. Just made it over to the actual prop store booth give you guys a real rundown uh, some of it's covered up still mostly stuff on the walls so I'm guessing that's framed items but their one big display case is pretty darn impressive Princess Leia's ceremonial dress from A New Hope a Duros mask that will be at auction this fall 
It doesn't have a estimate on it. Uh, Harrison Ford's jacket from Empire from the Prop Store Company collection. A uh, couple Norwegian unit uh, pieces, a jacket, a hat, a scarf, boots, uh, some Hoth Rebel Trooper gloves, several Turbo Cannon turrets. One of them is just the top piece. One of them is the top piece and a tower. Um, some blueprints, some Ralph McQuarrie hand-drawn artwork of Cloud City. That one's going to be at auction too. Oh, by the way, the Turbo Cannon, the Hoth Rebel Trooper gloves, the Hoth Fence stuff, Norwegian unit jacket and stuff, all that's for auction. I guess this is going to be coming up in their fall auction catalog. Uh, nice, decent-sized Death Star piece. A humongous great dragon bone. This thing must be three or four feet tall. Um, also in auction. And uh, what's that? A rebel, rebel vest from New Hope. Like the ones, I think, from the, the first scene in the movie, the opening scene, the one that those that crew wore. And one piece I've never seen before. Really cool. The detention block wall device. This is the sort of rounded triangular thing that... Uh, they end up shooting out at least one, maybe a couple of them in the detention level scene. I've never seen one of these live. It's really, really cool to see. It looks like it's just a vacuum form piece painted black. So that's also going to be at auction. Instantly recognizable. Pretty cool. All right. Signing out for now. Bye. Sky here. We're now going to go to Chris Jorgulius, who's going to tell us about the room sales that happened Friday night. I've been trying to have different songs represent different people. You know, the Swedish song for the Swedish guy, the London song for the London event. And when I got to Chris Jorgulius, I knew that he loved Metallica. And that led to the creation of the first ever Chris Jorgulius theme song. Kulius! Jorgulius! Kulius! Jorgulius! Chris! Chris, Chris, yeah, yeah, Chris G, yeah. I've got two Pokemon, and you've got none. Choose your lose, yeah. Go take pictures of my collection, yeah, yeah. All right, this is Chris G back. I'm here with Duncan Jenkins. Howdy, folks. Hey, folks. It's uh 12:30. Room sales have been going on for a strong hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Things have really slowed down now. A lot of people came and went. We still have a lot of people set up. We're going to start on one end over here and um, kind of walk around. Shane Turgeon's back. We're going to do a final sweep for Sky since we didn't record. Oh, we didn't record? Oh. Yeah, we recorded a little bit, but I didn't do the full thing, I so I'm sorry. Sky. I wish you were here, Sky. I uh, miss you, Sky. What about some love for Stephen B. Danley? No, 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 no love for Stephen. Good. No, no. Only for Tessa. Only for Tessa. Only the love for I, I, I love you, Steve. Just kidding, Steve. I love you, too. Very much. <laughs> A pile of uh, bag removable limbs, R2, uh, C-3PO's, hot, very hot, uh, hot very commodity, timely too, very timely. We just talked about baggies last time. Oh, right? that's right, that's right. So now we've Super got a whole baggies. bunch of them there. Yeah, you guys show up and get your sample baggie over here. That's right. And on the other corner here, Luis Galvez's family. We got some Lily Lady card backs, some uh, Mexican um, folk art. Yeah, kind of like paper mache, Boba Fett's and Darth Vader, real unique looking, and yeah. some loose Lily Lady figures. That's right. And even some uh, old medallions from from celebrations past over here. So it's good to see those uh, back here. Tony Damata's got some 
patches. T Tony, tell us about your items. Uh, I just got some uh, miscellaneous patches and vintage jewelry and bottle caps and some tots and trading cards. That's about it. Nice. Yeah. All right. And sales go well for you? Yeah, so part of the stuff, actually. Fantastic. Oh, All right. Great, man. Now look who we've got over here. Oh my gosh, Gus Lopez, the man himself, set up. He doesn't look very happy. Now ask oh, him who's sitting. This is. Oh, this looks like John. No, oh, Jonathan stuff. Jonathan McElwain's food right. products. So yeah. Jonathan's out buying, but he puts Gus down to work to yeah. man oh, his food. So, yeah, that's so it's a selfless. That's message. right. That's right. I would yeah. say that's called turnabout is fair play for uh, the wives involved in uh, these two lives here with Gus and Duncan. Right. Uh, Gus is going to be your host for the live podcast here from Celebration. Yeah. Uh, Sunday. Sunday, Gus yeah. is going to be podcasting. So yeah. stay tuned for that. Interesting. Yeah. I have First time. No idea what to do for that. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, yeah. go back in time uh, to yeah. go see Gus at but, the stills, you know, on Sunday. Because it's going to be hard to follow the strict structure of the podcast and, and uh, you know, to the sheer professional adhere to that yes. format uh -huh. will be just a challenge. But I will try to do my best. All right. I'm sure you will. You'll knock it out. You'll make come up, up with a theme song for yourself too. Uh, Your own drop. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Gus. Going. Who's here? Oh, we have two authors here. This is Matthias from the KaiCast. Uh, I'm doing an interview with the Chris. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. Well, Matthias, I'm Matthias. I'm interviewing Matthias Rindall on my phone. And Matthias Rindall interviewing on his phone. I mean, we're just talking about the phone over here. This is like Duncan, echo and echo. It's going to echo big time. We have uh, all these uh, European authors. But we're going to move through here. Speaking of Meccanos, thanks, guys. Thanks for your input. We got some instruction sheets. We see um, not Meccanos, but some Trilogo Yak Face yeah, card backs. Yeah, There's card two backs. here. Two there was one other one and a loose Yak Face earlier. He must have sold that as a so pair. He must have sold it, and then the Luke uh, got a loose Luke there with the pale face. Yeah, with pale face. This looks like the uh, Migo Migo Hardy Boys 12 inch with the, with the, uh, the zombie heads, they call those. I think that's a ghost face killer, uh, Luke. <laughs> Yo, it was the night before he got popped. Big jaws of hate. Season Chong Bong in the spot, Tropicana, strawberries, diced bananas, the long dookie fifth. Cool. All right. Moving on down. See some proof cards. What do they got? Revenge of the Jedi, Boba Fett, graded by UKG. Return of the Jedi. Is that the LJN uh, Indiana Jones there also? That's an LJN Indiana Jones. That's right. Loose. Looks good. Is it uh, Return of the Jedi? What was that? Rebel Commando proof card too. You guys doing a Kivecast? Yes. Chris Fawcett, we're doing a Kivecast. I beat you to it. I already mailed, emailed it to this guy. Oh, you did? did you? Oh, so we're doing a final sweep. This is probably new stuff now from when okay. I did it. Well, final sweep. I'm glad you did it because I didn't know who. It's Joe Kiskis. Say hey. How you doing? Doing great. Fantastic. How's, how's your how's your event going here? Uh, celebrations great, and I even scored at the room sales tonight. So hey, awesome. Doing super well. Awesome. What'd you get? I got a burgundy cape. Squid head. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Fun. AFA graded. 75. Awesome. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy. Hey, Excellent. fits right in your pocket. Yeah, fits in the pocket. Bib in my pocket. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hello, hola from Spain. 
Hello, hola. We're recording for uh, Star Wars Collectors Archive. Okay. So, hello from Spain. Hello from Spain. Tell us what you're doing over here. Am I interrupting a deal? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not interrupting that. a deal. It's already finished. It's finished. Jonathan yeah. McElwain's hanging out, and he's trying to get some uh, Spanish droids stickers. The gum stickers. Gum stickers. Yeah. You can awesome. eat that, right? We could eat it. Yeah, with the gum or just the sticker. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll let, we'll let you go. We're going to make our ways through here. Thanks. Thanks. All right. What All do we right. see here? So, oh, just this is a small booth. We just have a Palatoy FX7. That's probably the 30 back uh, that was uh, so popularly talked about recently that was sold for a bazillion dollars. Um, and then a Kenner Yoda Orange Snake. Both of those uh, look like they're ready to be sold, but nobody's bought them yet. Yeah, or they just bought them. We can't tell. Oh, that is true. Maybe he's taking a photograph for eBay. Maybe they're going to be flipped. Be right up on eBay. Oh, wait, I'm going to stop here and look through this stuff. Duncan sees paperwork. He is attracted. I'm gonna push pause right now. No, I'll let you go. Let's see what kind of stuff. Random uh, palatoy paperwork inserts, action force. Nice, uh, nice group of stuff. Bounty hunter ads. Ad here that's uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, some of the mini rigs and then the action force. So it's a dual thing. Little uh, rebates, so you can uh, send in and uh, tell which ones you've purchased and uh, get uh, gift coupons, it looks like, to spend more money. So that was uh, very thoughtful of them. Awesome. Uh, a little tri-fold, uh, so probably from about 84 or so. Yep, 1984 Palatoy. Um, not in my collection yet, so Uh-oh. I may have to... We make a deal here. we can do. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to make this final sweep. People are starting to to uh, clean up over here. I'm going to grab last-minute stuff. I see some guys packing up. Oh, Loud Mike's here with his patches. I'm going to record him again. Yeah, he holds his hand up like I'm videotaping him, but I'm not videoing him. Henrik, say hello to the podcast. Hello, hello. From Henrik. Just one. One cat. One one Star Wars Collectors Archive podcast. So we got more vintage, more vintage podcasts. So the one with Matthias and everybody. Oh, it's a podcast over here. He's already been recorded. This, this is the Swedish guys are crazy, but we're gonna move on. I'm not. I'm sorry, sorry. We got Swedish and a Dane. We got that fixed up. All right. Sorry about that. Where? Have you ever seen this oh, I have no, not seen that. Yeah, with Maria and C-3PO's, because he was based on Maria Robot, right, from uh, Metropolis. So I bought this at a comic book store in Arkansas. And look at yeah. this Star Wars. The guys told you like Star Wars. It's not had this for a long time. So, he points this out to me. 1977 copyright. Yeah. Like, how does this guy have access to that? So he assumes he must have some connection with Lucas from one of the artists there. Yeah. I don't know. No, I'm like, what's the story on this? So, so this book is called uh, the, the, like, the Flights of Icarus, and it's a copyright 77 book. This page you're looking at has a photo. It's a drawing of C-3PO standing with uh, Maria, the robot from Metropolis, which was inspiration for C-3PO. So it's pretty easy. It's called a hardware honeymoon. So, but seventy. And it's uh, drawn by Tony Roberts. It looks like. Uh, yeah, I did. But I would say he's married. See, well, he's married now, apparently. So he, he's scoring, or she's kind of like dragging him. He's sort of looking away. So I don't know if he's interested or not. But uh, yeah, seventy-seven copyright could have come out late seventy-seven, and he mirrored those two together. Tell us who you are. 
I'm David White, Jimmy Tupac. I'm Rebel Jimmy Tupac. See, and I met you in what? Cele- uh, San Diego Comic Con in 2008. 2008. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot. Now I recognize you, Jimmy Tupac. There are no Tupacs here for sale. No, I'm hoarding those at home. You're hoarding them at home. All right, Jimmy. Thanks, man. I'm gonna uh, cruise around here. Finish recording. Uh, this book is uh, 70 pounds. You guys want to get in touch with Jimmy Tupac and buy this Flights of Icarus book. All right, moving on, coming around. Oh my gosh, what's this? Thing? Oh, oh, all right, all right. You just gave me the Tupac uh, Chewbacca. Chewbacca and Han Trench made a button, so I'm going to give him my button since I trade buttons here. I'm recording secret German transmissions. Uh, yeah. Chris? <laughs> I hear Lily Lady once in a while. That's not a German word. They've, they've co-opted it. <laughs> so I'm here with uh, Matthias and uh, with Michael. Looking through some card backs. Lily Lady, Harvard. Spain ones. Um, Spanish ones. Dutch My ones. gosh. Dutch, Kalatoy, all over. Good, good selection here. Nice. Got some glass lights. No, I didn't find much. Oh, what's this? Oh, that's. I have that. I have that. All right, good. Oh, this is approved cards up here. Jawa approved cards. Revenge of the Jedi. Return. Empire Strikes Back. There's a uh, Tusken Raider and uh, Darth Vader with his ears clipped off. That card back is missing. Uh, the top, I think it's Spanish, right? The Netherlands. Oh, Netherlands, yeah, right. Yeah, they clipped off most of the logo. All right, cool deal. Wrapping up, good talking to you. I'm going to move along, Matthias. Catch the end of this. Torsten Smith. We're recording for the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. Oh, guy. Yeah. I like it. You like it. Oh, my gosh. He's got, like, massive, giant buttons. So, this is my button from this year. My Slayer button. Yeah, and I'll give you one from last last convention. Hold on. Awesome. So got, do you know what, what this is? You're going to tell me what this is. This is the, uh, it's a German backdrop from a store display exclusively uh, um, uh, was available in Germany. All right. Yeah. yeah, he's made a button out of This is a big button. This button is... is 50 millimeters. Well, six centimeters. So that's what, like, that's like two and close to two and a half inches. And another Krieg de Stern, Krieg de Sterne. Yeah. Button. Awesome. Parker, the uh, German subsidiary that released the Star Wars figures back in the day. Did an awesome trade. Thanks. And you did a good job today in your panel. Oh, thank you. Although you were late. I was late. Sorry. I, 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 oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, I had some uh, hot, uh, business to attend to, and uh, I walked into my panel 15 minutes late, but it all worked out in the end. So, All right, guys. Do I know you? What's your name? Marcus. Marcus. Another Marcus. I'm Chris. We're re- recording for Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast, Sky Payne's podcast, Steve Danley. Just doing a little sweep here before it's over. You can tell my voice is uh, getting bad. Thanks. Nice meeting you. Thanks for the trade. All right. What's going in here? All right. We're looking at bootlegs over here. This is uh, Patsy. Patsy, what's your last name? Pettacini. That's right, Pettacini. 
So, um, model trims, loose, little stands. I see a, a headman. Is that a real? That's a real headman. Three of them. Three of them. One's got like a silver helmet, partially worn down. Got a loose one with a shield, and one that's graded by uh, it's AFA qualified yep. grade, right? Also got a carded blue star. Oh, and there's a carded blue stars here, so don't say that the room sales don't deliver. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of zeros on that blue stars. Uh, it's a lot of money to have in your front pocket here at the sales. Um, awesome uh, bootleg Darth Vader and Stormtrooper like ornaments or something. They're about five Dutch. inches. Those are the oh, Dutch. Dutch. We're trying to sell a, an R5, but uh, we got someone next to us that doesn't want to pull the trigger. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we've talked to this guy before. Who's over here looking at this R5? Hi, Chris. Uh, hi, Chris. How you doing? I'm Joe. Joe again. <laughs> Joe is Joe's eagerly eyeing this. Maybe. Um, uh, the place is closing down. He's like uh, trying to make his last well, purchase. You know, yeah. Last minute sales. Like maybe they'll take the offer. Maybe they won't. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Nice talking to you. All right. right Good luck, guys. How <laughs> about? All right. Oh man, these other tables are emptying out. Um, it's really thin down now. What time is it? Quarter to one. Usually everything's wrapped up by one o'clock. See um, some custom bagged figures in here for retail purposes from uh, <coughs> Mr. Andy. Andy, tell us what you got over here real quick for the uh, Star Wars Collectors Archive. Uh, we've got a lot of loose figures, really, really nice. These are spears that I've collected over the years. We're buying in other things from other people. Um, there's a few car backs. Um, there's a few mint on cards which have since sold. Uh, a little bit of modern stuff there, just in case anybody brought their kids along. Just some general spares that I've got from my collection. Yeah, it looks great. I'll tell you what, what Andy's doing here to market his product. He's got loose figures and bags. He's made little header cards, and the header card has the name of the figure, and it says, and each one of these says, these figures originate from an in-the-wild find from a friend's father-in-law. These were bought in the 1980s from toy stores and stored along with his die-cast car and toy collection. They have original weapons and have never been played with. So right there is your provenance, a little bit of history for your figure. You know where it came from, some guy's brother. Father-in-law. Yeah, go on, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I won't put your wife on the spot over here. I'll just walk by. <laughs> Thanks, guys. A recording for a Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. Yeah, yeah. Tell us who you are and what and where you're from. Uh, we're from Madrid, Spain, and we are here for the first time in a celebration. First celebration, all right. And he's made it to his first room sales. He heard the stories. It's as good as he heard. He's had a great time, right? Yes, it's, it's the, the, for now, the best thing in all celebration. The best thing in all celebration. It blows away, and he didn't have to wait overnight and sleep in the hall. You know, it's better than Mark Hamill's presentation. That's that's awesome, so kudos. But good little, good little um, assortment of things over here. He's wrapping up. I see some star tots. Um, tell us about the early bird piece that you made here. Yes, I made it uh, an early bird uh, for the uh, convention in Madrid in 2015 for the people who make uh, give money for the for the convention itself. It's a, a free convention and for a good cause, and, and it's, it's like a present for them. And we make a little a limited limited items. Okay, yeah, and this is he made these for uh, like uh, special gifts items for their um, for their for their for their people, and it's based on the Kenner Early Bird um, display. It's got uh, custom drawings of uh, the character. Uh, who's this man here? And he's dressed in a. Uh, 
like Wolverine and uh, Superman and R2-D2 and... You don't believe it, but, but it's me. Well, I was going to say that. It did look a lot like you, but that's <laughs> When awesome. I was 10 years ago, my, my brother uh, did these, these drawings. Yeah. I have the, the long hair and the glasses and, and, the, and the bird, and he made me all the... All the so he's all these different characters. He's, he's like a comic... That's right, comic version of himself that his brother drew. There's uh, four or seven different ones on this uh, set up like an early bird. It's a really cute little package here I, I like it a lot so um anyway i'll let you pack up thanks so much thank you we'll see you around the weekend bye all right wrapping around the hall here uh-oh sore knees people been squatting for a while see uh uh a german book gonzalo's over here hi chris how are you i recorded you last year yeah no, two years ago from essence yes we're doing some room sales recording here Absolutely. so tell us what you think do you have a I good time you, i told you about the russian bootlegs the previous time you remember yeah but i'm selling i still have some oh he still has them that's right russian bootlegs. This is the gold chewy golden chewy this is the second generation of bootlegs which are made from power force two yeah and That's the great. news is that I've been finding more uh, added drivers, more vintage. Oh, more added drivers. drivers. And yes. you have a book here with the, with the artwork that was used for the card backs exactly. of the Russian added driver. driver. The original book, which actually a lot of people don't know that, but it's um, two volumes, not one. So oh. there's another volume okay. with a different artwork, but they used only this artwork for the for the That's cards. That's right. This is straight off the book to make those sure. card back. So I saw I'm, I'm gathering a lot of information about the Russian Oritet line. The idea is to include it in uh, Joe's book, in oh. Joe's bootleg's book. That's right. Okay. And we confirmed uh, that the vintage line, the other drivers, were produced between '93 and '95. Okay. Because the movie was released in 1990, A New Hope. Okay. So their 90s were like our 80s, so to say. Oh. And then, uh, by the end of the 90s, at the beginning of the 2000s, they, they released the second generation. All right. So, well, that's, that's there you what go. I've been doing. There you go. So they were, they were uh, first in space, but uh, last in bootlegs. Yes, so. absolutely. <laughs> Those crazy and Russians. And many other things. I know. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Oh, we're back here. We're back. I ended up back at Duncan Jenkins' booth, and he's going to give some closing statements here. Well, another uh, room sales in the books. This is, what, the ninth one that we've done? Um, and I found something good at every one. So we'll call it a success. I think so. I think Wampa so. Wampa, everyone, if I can steal uh, Sky's That's right. phrase. All right. Thanks, everyone. Say bye, Henrik. Goodbye, goodbye. Say bye, Anne. Bye, Anne. Wampa Wampa. Do you have a, um, a quick uh, off-the-cuff uh, Anne Scott haiku? Anne Koo, no. Anne Koo. Uh, I'm catchy. It's too... It's too too much on the spot here. Too much on the spot. Maybe she'll think of one and send it to you later, Sky. Look forward to that. All right. I think so. You did. All right, guys. I think that's going to be it here. I'm signing off. And uh, Sean, Sean's going to give us another little, give us a quick your synopsis here of what's going on. Oh, Just who man. you are. You know, I, I'm relatively new to the uh, to the room sales game, but the, for me, this has been the best one yet. A lot of, lot of cool, a lot of variety, a lot of great stuff, a lot of, yeah, a lot of good prices on uh, various things. Picked up a few things, not nothing, uh, nothing too excessive this time. All right. But uh, so far, so good. It's been a great night. All right. Cool.
successful. We didn't get shut down. Honestly, I didn't know how it would turn out. I, I didn't know, but it was great. And when I finally saw the waiter from the bar downstairs collecting drinks, I knew that we were golden. So it was all good. All right, guys. See you later from London Room Sales. Thank you, Chris. I mean, thank you, Chris. Chocolates. Chris. Chocolates. Yeah. Go take pictures of my collection. Yeah. Coming up next, uh, we had a little bit of a better half promotion there with uh, Steve being dissed for his better half being me. And then Steve's other better half being Tessa. And now we're going to hear from Duncan's better half. We're going to hear from Ann Jenkins, who wrote two haikus. The first one is about the room sales. Crowded. Lack of air. Foreign items do abound. Find the perfect find. The next one is about the collector track room. Fill every seat. Don't forget bathroom passes. Spilled beer. Pick up trash. Thanks, Anne. And the last bit from Celebration Europe 3, we will have CJ back again to ask some people what were their greatest hits of the convention. All right, CJ here. I got a little thing I'm going to do here, try and get as many people as I can. I'm going to call it a three-in-one. So I'm going to ask people, what are your three best things about this celebration, and what is your one worst thing? So we're going to see how many people we can get. Okay, we got Mike Ritter here. Tell us your top three and one worst. All right, my top three has got to be by far number one is hanging out with all of my friends, seeing all my European friends I haven't seen since the last uh, Celebration Europe, seeing a few of my American friends come here. Uh, let's see, what else is there? Seeing a couple of good vintage stuff in, uh, in the stalls. Not too much of it, but enough to keep me uh, satisfied. As far as the worst, though, definitely the lack of sleep. Okay, I got Tony Damata here, who's uh, one of our great leaders on, uh, on the uh, cel- uh, collector's track stage. So, Tony, tell us your three in one. All right, so my favorite three things have been, uh, of course, the collector panels. They're always outstanding. Um, a fan-made General Maidine battle beard that was given out by one of the, uh, the, the Swedish guys, I think. And um, the fact that the, this convention is about four times the size as the original Celebration London, and there's so much more content, so much more to do. One worst? Uh, the crowds. Just trying to fight your way through this place to see anything has been almost impossible. But, um, but if you persist, you can see it. But, yeah, it's just, it was just way too crowded. Thanks, Tony. Okay, we got Chris G here. Chris uh, Chris, tell us your three best and one worst. Three best things. First best thing is my wife always loves to come to Star Wars conventions with me as a trooper the entire time. Parties all night, hangs out all day, couldn't ask for more. The second best, this is hall is enormous. It's much bigger than I expected, and I love it. Tons of people here, tons of people hanging out at the hotel. We had a great time, Novotel. Um, what's another best thing? We had an awesome room sale again. We did not get shut down. That went off without a hitch. 
the one worst thing, people are going to say the room, room sales were smelly and hot, but I tell you what, the RC car experience has stirred up so much dust in Hall 5 or whatever. It's disgusting, and it's everywhere, and it's in the food area, and people are eating pizza and nachos, and the dust is like LA, old L.A. smog. It's disgusting. Anyway, thanks, Chris. Okay, I'm here with Bill Cable. So we just got back from the convention floor and are very tired and our feet hurt. But we're going to say, Bill, what are your three best and one worst? Okay, my three best. Uh, first is uh, presenting the one-of-a-kind collectibles panel. Uh, it's always an honor and a thrill to get the chance to sit up there on stage and uh, show off some stuff to people. And I had some great people up there with me who improved the panel. Uh, second favorite thing was the ability to hook people up with some exhibitor badges. Um, I applied for a PSWCS table um, and was able to get some people in on exhibitor badges who otherwise uh, would have been kind of stuck. And the third favorite thing was going out drinking with the Swedes because that <laughs> is just an absolute blast. I'm laughing until tears come out of my eyes. And uh, I thought you were going to say laugh until like 2 a.m., <laughs> which, which is another thing that would yeah. happen. And I'm putting in the hours. So, <laughs> and the thing, the not or the worst thing is, I kind of felt like I didn't get enough from the uh, convention program itself. Um, I didn't get to go to any of the major uh, panels. I got to go to the Rebels premiere, but that was uh, that was it. And I felt. Uh, walking around Saturday, I really should be getting more out of this experience than I was. They were hard to get into. It seemed like they were they had wristbands for almost everything, and almost everything was full. I I got in with a couple standby lines, but they were it was, it was very packed in the main panels. Yeah, but it, their system was they would open the doors at 8 p.m. to start giving out wristbands at 6 a.m. And if you weren't there at 6 a.m., you weren't getting into many of the panels. Right. And it was not very efficient, and it was pretty brutal whenever you're out until three in the morning the drinking with the Swedes drinking with the Swedes yes exactly <laughs> so that's that you, you can't complain too much because you're you're drinking with the Swedes was on your best list so <laughs> at least you got that yeah that's very true all right thanks all right I'm here for a three-in-one with Duncan Jenkins so Duncan what were your three best things about uh, celebration in London here okay well it's a given that just spending time with everybody is the best thing by far uh, so I'm not even going to count that one but that is it's just so cool to get to see everybody so uh, three best things the virtual reality amazing yes, love that was. that was so cool um, I found an item at room sales that I had been looking for for 20 plus years the Empire Strikes Back Spanish Yo Play poster that you put all of the little stickers uh, on and the unique artwork it's just fantastic so that's kind of uh, Sky wanted an unloved item. I think that's one, but it's a fantastic item. Um, and so third thing was I had thought of it. There's so many good things. Um, I'll come back to that. One worst thing was went to the 501st bash party, and they didn't have enough hamburger buns for all of the hamburgers. <laughs> so I had to have hamburger and cheese with no bun. Uh, so I guess just I, two other hamburgers for the I bun could, of yeah, your hamburger? That. Now that I like. That's what I should have done. That <laughs> That's more my style. So I guess I'm on the Atkins diet or whatever that is that you can't have the bun and you just have the meat. But uh, it's been a fantastic show. There, The lines went well. 
I think the the panels went well. Everything seemed to go pretty smoothly. There was no real um, drama or anything that I was aware of. So I would say uh, if that's the worst thing that there was, it was a pretty good one. Um, but I can't remember what my third great thing or best thing was going to be. Um, too tired. Way too tired. Uh, we'll let you off the hook. Okay, so two plus. I did say start off with everybody was seeing everybody and hanging. Well, there you go. That's so your that, number that's one. Thing. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Okay. Thanks, Sungan. You bet. All right, I'm here with Gus Lopez for his three and one. What's your three favorites, Gus? Uh, yeah, it's hard to pick. A lot of good stuff at the convention. Uh, first, I have to start, of course, with a collecting track. We did a lot of new panels this time and had a good European representation. And it's always a little bit of a risk when you have new topics, but I thought that really pulled it off and the speakers were fantastic. Uh, so I was really pleased with that. So that's number one. Number two, the Rogue One prop exhibit was amazing. Like, it's cool to see all the different costumes and props they're planning for the upcoming movie. I mean, it's such a nod to the original trilogy because it's set in that time, so I'm very excited about that. And the third one's also prop-related. I was really excited, I was surprised, actually, to see Prop Store, uh, half of the stuff that they're going to have in Star Wars stuff they're going to have at their auction later this year, and they're going to have the other half at San Diego Comic-Con, but, uh, but I was like, wow, these are some pretty amazing pieces, so it was cool to see that. I did not expect that, that much quality uh, Star Wars prop up for sale. So, uh, those One worst? Worst? Yeah, the um, they changed the policies on uh, preview night of the Celebration Store. It was, I think, just a, a joke. Uh, so it was a situation where, and I understand they had the right intentions. They, they basically would not allow exhibitors to go in during the presale. You know, and I can understand that. You don't want people, like, scalping stuff on the convention floor. Um, but on the other hand, you know, the... the the dealers are generally are are 100% of their time is on the floor, so they have no time to go to the celebration store to buy things. So anyway, um, that's all fine. But the problem is, as being the collecting track chair, I couldn't get in at all, and I'm like busy doing the program. Sometimes it really just annoyed me, and some of the volunteers were just given such strict mandate. Even and some of them recognized, you know, some of us are volunteering our time. We're not dealers, so we're not going to be selling stuff. We just want a few things for ourselves, and it was. It was, uh, there's a lot of feedback I will have for them about how to do it better because it was just not well done. But at the end, you did get in that night, so it turned out well in the end. In the end, it, it did turn out uh, by, uh, by, uh, by trying to out outsmart them, but that's, you shouldn't have to do that. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. All right, I am here with Mark Salati from Australia. Mark, what is your three best, one worst? Um, I think catching up with friends has been fantastic. The panels were really cool. Um, drinking with the Swedes. Okay, and one worst? Drinking with the Swedes. <laughs> so that was your best and your worst? Possibly. Explain that just a little bit. Well, it was a bit... I, I still haven't recovered, so you're interviewing me now, and I'm uh, not, I can't so drinking my, with my the, words together, really. So drinking with the Swedes is the best thing that night, but the worst thing the next morning? Actually, that would be right. Yes, that would be <laughs> All fair. All right, thanks, Mark. Sky here. Now, this is a crazy episode. Who, you know how hard this thing is to edit? Anyway, like, was that the good place to put all the Celebration Europe stuff? I, I don't know. I hope so. Ugh, good thing I don't do this for a living. And good thing the thing I do for a living provides me lots of time in the summer to do this instead of yard work or cleaning up the house. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the episode. 
uh, with Elling, Tracy, and Steve. And then later, I might take you to Queens, New York. Who knows when I'm going to drop that in? But hey, at least you got the new Krios Jorgulius drop out of the whole thing. All right, back to the show. Steve, I do think, you know, it's been 75 it's been 75 episodes and we have not had any commercials. <laughs> and I think it's finally mm. time that we have a commercial. And it will of course be a commercial for the C3PO with removable limbs. <laughs> so welcome to Kenner Commercial Theater. You didn't ask for it, and we're giving it to you anyway. Do you, do you guys? No want one it? ever does. Nobody ever does. <laughs> so this is a description of this vintage commercial that we will then play afterwards. The camera pans across the disembodied limbs of C-3PO. Like a funhouse tour through a twisted mind of a serial killer, it's body parts everywhere. He manages to lift up his corpse slightly to say, Chewbacca, this way. To the rescue comes Chewbacca. Rawr. Small helping hands put the dissected droid into a backpack on the back of a pack mule monkey dog Chewbacca. Even in this state, the droid is bossy. Take me to Han Solo and Princess Leia. I must warn them. The god announcer comes on to inform you that you too can dismantle this being yourself. You control him. He is yours. All yours. New C-3PO that you can take apart and other action figures each sold separately. Holding a Leia figure and wearing a Dorothy shirt screams, What happened? The robot informs them from his vantage point on the back of the Wookiee. Come on, Leia! Look at that! I'm all in pieces! As if that were not enough to be bossed around by a droid, now his so-called friend and captain Han Solo demands of Chewbacca, What a mess. Put him down, Chewie. As they reassemble the droid, the ever-nurturing Leia asks of him, How's that? C-3PO. What a handful! Oh, whoops, you got an old version. I think you say wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I like what a handful. That's good. What a handful. Okay. <laughs> Bringing over the last piece of the last leg, Chewbacca says, Rawr! Then comes the most inexplicable line in the history of Kenner commercials. Chewie says you have great legs. We don't have time to ponder this question long as the voice of God comes on to say, Han Solo, C-3PO with backpack, each sold separately from Kenner Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back collection. Now for your edification, here's the real commercial. Play him back to back. Chewbacca, this way. Now what does that and mean? Scene. You have great legs. Um, <laughs> somebody must have wrote that. Somebody must have. Oh yeah. Whoever wrote that. The scary part is somebody like you got paid to write that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so C three PO uh, has has you know Chewbacca has a thing for C three PO. 
I, I think that's yeah, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're getting at. So there's good news and bad news for the audience. The good news is the first of the kind of commercials is over. The bad news is there's a second coming up later in the show. <laughs> oh no! Right. There's many more. There are many more. Cut yes. To come. Yes. Many more. Uh, the next one's even better. All right. Well then, uh, let's let's get to a nugget, which I think will be quite useful for uh, for Tracy to help us out with. Absolutely. Tis a nugget from the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my God, they're gorgeous. From the archive. Okay, so Steve, you picked out this crazy lineup of first shots for removable limbs C-3PO. So, right. Um, first of all, I actually, you know, uh, Ron Salvatore re-released uh, another article about redoing sculpts, and he talked about how the Leia Bespin is a re... They just changed the original Leia sculpt. So I texted mm -hmm. him before we started saying... Um, this is a stupid question, but is the C-3PO removable limb sculpt the same <laughs> sculpt as the original sculpt? And the answer is yes, just with a different mechanism. Um, <laughs> but there's this whole first shot progression. So, Steve, why don't you talk right. to Tracy so you guys can talk about it? All right, well, this first one, I think this is from your collection, Tracy. It's the uh, the unpainted white one. Um, so this one it's from what i can tell it's probably one of the earlier in in the progression of the c-3po first shots um so it has it's cast in white plastic um mm -hmm. and it has the uh, original uh date stamp of 1977 so it, obviously it's before they came up with the 1982 date stamp but it also on the back uh instead of the little bolt that we're kind of used to seeing holding the figure or you know just a little um without a groove it looks like a little like flathead screw that's holding the guy together which i exactly. thought was kind of interesting um yeah so i'm just trying to figure out and compared to the other two first shots we're going to talk about would, would this have come before those well it's interesting because um you know the other one with the removable head right um is very very similar. It, it also bears the uh, 1977 date stamp, and it also yeah. has the flathead screwdriver, uh, flathead screw in the back. Right. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure exactly if if they would have toyed around with the removable head first, mm -hmm. or concurrently, or even even after they got this prototype mocked up. Yeah. Well, it, it's yeah. Moving on to the, to the second one, then it's got the uh, the gold uh, kind of metalized finish to it. But yeah, like that has that removable head, which to me like makes sense for the for the character. But Ron <laughs> mentions that it's probably uh, not a great thing in terms of preventing choking accidents. <laughs> so that's correct. Yeah, I think that's probably the main reason. There, yeah. there would be a lot of headless C three POs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but all of the great, right. all of the great, you know, uh, alas, poor Yorick things, you know, to be or not to be, as you could have done with that, with that detached, yeah. detachable C-3PO head. Yeah, this is crazy. I had no idea there were this many removable limb first shots. Why, why do you think there's so many out there, Tracy? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, the 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 removable head one for sure would be 
um, either kit bash, not kit bash, but you know, probably done by hand or mm. um, a true prototype in the sense of the word. I know oftentimes we categorize unpainted test shots and, and other things like that as, as prototypes. But, I, you know, in my opinion, this removable head, removable lens and head three pairs is truly a prototype. Yeah. Uh, in, in the sense that they were toying around with the idea of, of doing that, which they, um, you know, like you said, they probably considered it some sort of choking hazard. But, yeah, I've seen yet another one similar to the uh, my white one there. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> interestingly enough, the third one, I actually, um, I have one identical to that one as well, oh, where, okay. where the limbs um, are slightly different plastic than the torso and the head. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, I've got, I got a couple different ones similar to that in different color plastics. And I believe some folks consider those to be uh, test shots for the droids 3PO oh. that were that were done to to maybe paint mock those up and things before they change the uh, date stamp from okay. 82 to 95. Oh, yeah, that see that makes sense because this yeah like you were saying this third one has the the final date stamp of 82, but then it also has the the kind of uh, even surface like flat bolt that holds it together, but it's actually just it's not actually used that way it's just kind of in the mold itself so it's not functioning that's it's correct. just there so that, that's interesting yeah. so, so okay. there are th- so I've... three separate first shots three different first shots one of them is white plastic and that mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. a 1977 uh, stamp when right. most removable limb production have a 1982 stamp you then right. have a gold one that has a removable head that they did not include in the production version. And then the third one is basically pink plastic with very different looking arms and legs. Like the plastic looks very different from the head and torso. So mm-hmm. these are three completely different looking first shots. Are these really yes, like, yeah. can we really call these first shots? Because like you were saying about because first shots in theory, right, were just like tests of the the actual production figures. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are so different. These seem like these deserve to have a different name. Yeah, the one with the removable head, um, that's pretty special. I, I'm not even so sure I would right. I would classify that as a as a first shot. And even the white one, I don't, I don't know that. You know, I would imagine that that was an original 3PO first shot that mm-hmm. was modified. Mm. And then the third one, I do believe that would be considered a third, uh, I mean, a first shot, but for the droids 3PO because mm-hmm. of the back. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, then we actually, you know what we need to do? And Elling, even though you're an <laughs> RTD2 collector, you, you can help us. We need to vintage vocab this, and we need to come up with a new word for it. So let's put the, <laughs> let's put the pink one to the side for now because that's about droids, and um, only half the people on this podcast right now care about droids and Ewoks. Um, <laughs> but we all care about these things on the archive. So they're called yeah. first shots, but they are, I think, very clearly designed – 
as ways of testing the the mechanics of the removable limbs. So these are way, way, way before a first shot in the pre-production process. Yeah, let's not call them test shots. What should we, uh, first shots, what should we call them? I would almost say maybe a conceptual mock-up of sorts or, or um, yeah. a, true, a true prototype, you know, in my opinion. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, these did not, these weren't popped from a mold in this in this state, I don't think. Right. As a test shot would be. Not you know. not in the uh, traditional sense. Yeah. Or for some right. Well, if you look at them, it's so it's would... very clearly just the people. Well, okay, not very clearly. It seems clear to me that the people at Kenner were trying to figure out how we actually because they already had the figure. They knew they were going to use the same mold. They just had to change the dates. They knew that what they were going to do. So yeah, conceptual mock-up or like a mock shot or I don't know. Yeah, I guess just calling them maybe a mock-up <laughs> maybe makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, what a what a nugget because yeah. because when Steve sent a first shot, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be exciting. Look, it's, yeah, got, see, it's I, got no dates. You had to you had to look into it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that the head the removable head and lens three PO is. is that's quite a phenomenal piece. I don't. I have never. I've not seen another one like that. Yeah, I would expect something like the three PO with the removable head to be, yeah, pretty close to one of a kind. Because again, when you have the primary yeah. tooling, you know, f- to complete that figure, you're really not modifying it very much, right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have taken them a lot. You don't. They don't need to run half a dozen or a dozen of these figures to figure out how the head pops on and off. And then yeah. for them to mm-hmm. shut it down and said, okay, yeah, this is going to be a choking hazard. So, yeah, I mean, I think that piece that Tracy has is just very unique. Um, and with a lot of these other figures too, um, you know, again, like you, you have the primary figure, so just to take a, an existing 3PO that's not back metalized and then paint it up, you know, like I have a, a painted first shot for a droid 3PO, you mm-hmm. know, and it's the 1982 uh, date stamp, it's the removable limbs, you know, and they likely just, again, had a paint stripped, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Empire mm-hmm. Strikes Back, nice. the Jedi 3PO and then just fully hand-painted it into the droid's colors. So same with the R2-D2. I mean, yeah, you've got the basic figure. You're just modifying the dome for the uh, sensor scope, and then for the pop-up saber, you are changing the mechanism within the, the torso. But, you know, a lot of the work is, is already done. You know, the yeah. would have been would have been built, sculpted, built, and then just modified from, from that. So, are, there, are there, like, yeah. hard copies and other 3D pre-production material for removable limbs? Mm, I don't know of anything uh, hard copy. They wouldn't have had to make them for the removable limbs, right? That would be my Correct. intuition. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't really need to, right? Yeah. It's weird. And so the more I study this figure, the weirder it gets. Yeah. <laughs> now, is there, is there any pre-production stuff for the sensor scope, like things that are just? mock-ups for the sensor scope mechanism maybe well the only thing i can recall having turned up and it's been a long time since i've looked into it but the uh there's like an unvac metalized um dome and it's like a oh. gray dome for the r2d2 okay. and that's i think that's the only thing i can recall right now there, there's a possibility there's something else but it's very very tough for that that particular figure um mm-hmm. you know the classic solid dome r2 i mean there's first shots pop-up saber there's first shots um but yeah for that um the Empire Centroscope, that's that's a tricky one. Well Steve, should we should we do our, our next commercial or should we go to the unloved? Uh so I think we could maybe get the commercial out of the way. <laughs> commercial out of the way. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, Sky, but and, and we're gonna do it because this is actually 
the the original or the real Wampa Wampa. It's where Wampa Wampa yeah. really comes from, Steve. But I'm going to tell right. you now that it's the 75th episode. I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> I have never seen I've never seen this commercial before. Oh, Sky, that just shatters reality. That's <laughs> so the the whole thing was when I started collecting, I heard people joking about the commercials being like Wampa Wampa and that whole thing. And so mm-hmm. I just kind of pretended like I knew what they were talking about. Uh, but I right. but I didn't really. And then when we had to come up with something to say at the beginning of the show or when I when I decided that I needed to have something, I thought, Oh well I'll just take that thing. I was actually tempted to take Nagamaru, but that was Ron Salvatore's signature. And I'm like, well, I don't want to rip off his signature because that's a famous thing that, mm-hmm. that they say. So um, so I never actually heard the real Wampa, 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 which is in this commercial. Um, mm. So I uh, – my, my reality is shattered, Sky. I yes. can't believe that. <laughs> At least you're being, you're being honest. It's, it's – uh... Well, yeah. well, being honest really makes the show work. Now, I want to tell you guys one thing, that we're, we reenact these commercials, but I then put the real audio afterwards. So you don't have to worry about it, about nobody knowing how it really works because they, they hear how, how it really goes. But, but I just find it uh, more fun to actually do the theater. So I just emailed it to you guys. Do you guys have it now? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay, so this is amazing because they filmed a commercial – all about Hoth, what looks yeah. like in Bakersfield, which if you don't know mm-hmm. Bakersfield, <laughs> Bakersfield is the hottest, ugliest dust ball of, I was going to swear, in, been, in uh, the world. It's been described mm-hmm. as the, the armpit of California. Yes. <laughs> Although, rest in peace, Merle Haggard does come from Bakersfield. So, okay. He, nice. He, he at least, they at least gave one of the greatest uh, American musicians uh, from California. So, Sing it song Sadness And sing it As blue As I feel uh, here, here it is. Now for this, we have a little bit of change, change here. So Tracy gets to be Luke. Uh, Elling, of course, gets to be R2-D2. And you will hear that R2-D2 has has words in English. Um, I am playing the Wampa, and uh, Steve is playing Han. And I'm also, of course, the narrator. Okay. In the baking sun of a California backyard, three action figures spring to life, Luke, Han, and R2-D2, all in ironic Hoth gear. First to speak is the young boy, Luke Skywalker, turning into a man in the blizzard heat. No life forms here. His robotic friend, R2-D2, responds. Then, a gigantic spring-loaded wampa arm strikes down a series of rocks. It's a wampa. Wampa! The unseen god narrates. New! Hoth Wampa, Luke Skywalker, and Han Solo and Hoth outfits, each sold separately. Then, a farm boy climbs up on a hill and optimistically says, I'll look higher. Now, you will hear two Wampa yells. The first is when the frightful beast, white as death, knocks over the stone pillar which supported young Luke. The second is when he grasps him in his deathly paws and throws him to the icy dirt ground. Wampa! 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 
Solo calls on a robotics to fulfill the role of hero. R2-D2, use your sensor scope. But the usually beeping droid instead utters in perfect English words of impotent uselessness. I can't find Luke. Ever the brash hero, Han taunts the Wampa. Hey, you big fur coat. Try me on for size. Taunt on, Han. Taunt on your taunt on, Han. Inexplicably, the presence of the roguish scoundrel causes the Wampa to run away, screaming his own name over and over again like a wounded Pokemon. Wampa! 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 The young man and the old man grasp hands as Luke says, Thanks, Han. Then, suggestively lowers his hand to the sensor scope, protruding from the dome of the robot, grasps it, and says, And you too are too. Excited, relieved, aroused, the droid responds. Beep boop. New Hoth Wampa and R2-D2 with sensor scope and other action figures you sold separately from Kenner Star Wars Empire Strikes Back collection. Whoa. End scene. Wow. You guys brought that one. Steve, you did your Han Solo impersonation? Well, I mean. That was excellent. You went for the old wiser. I'm like, wow, might as well just go with the. (laughs) The pissed off old Han Solo. I felt yeah. it. Han Solo after gets his leg broken on the set of Episode Seven. So <laughs> right, so, that's right. right. <laughs> yeah, it's a great oh, commercial. Boy. So, so we'll uh, we'll hear it here. No life forms here. Wampa. New Hot Wampa, Luke Skywalker, and Han Solo in hot outfits, each sold separately. I'll look higher. Wampa. Wampa. R two D two, use your sensor scope. I can't find Luke. Hey, you big fur coat. Try me on for size. Wampa, 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 Wampa. Thanks, hon. And you too, R2. Wampa! New Hot Wampa R2-D2 with sensor scope and other action figures, each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. Yeah, and, and, and just when you actually hear it, it's, it is amazing how many times, just the idea that the little kid just screams Wampa and Wampa over and over again. <laughs> right. Like, what must the neighbors be thinking when they hear that? Yeah. It's, oh. <laughs> They'll be jealous. They will. <laughs> All right, well, then let's go. Like we, got the, like we were, they got the Hodor from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he is kind of, yeah, I do love Wampas, but it's not, it's not winter. We're not going to talk about Wampas. We're going to talk about something on love, Steve. You don't hate only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. The unloved and the unnatural. Vintage Star Wars character-themed light switch covers. Switcheroos. All right. What is it that's unloved? So I've always kind of thought of these on the periphery, but I went with a Kenner product, the uh, the good old switcheroos for R2 and 3PO. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, now, this is something I've always thought about, and I, I wondered how many like collection rooms have actually have these on light switches. <laughs> Do you guys know of anyone that actually uses a switcheroo? Yep, I know one guy who has his room filled with them. And you know him <laughs> as well, so. <laughs> Who's that? that yeah, good old Yehuda from yeah. New York. Oh, oh nice. Yes, and indeed, ah. indeed, he does. Um, amazingly enough, Steve, you didn't plan this. 
Um, but what, what you don't know while we're recording this is I've actually already put in all of the celebration information uh, earlier in the episode when I said, oh, we're going on a world tour. Then I did my thing where I go sky here and then I edited in all the stuff from Chris and everything. Mm-hmm. So here I'm going to edit in my trip to the AT-AT ick, um, uh. which is what Yehuda calls this collection. Because um, sweet, uh, because he has these switcheroos, and every night, so you have to understand, like, okay, it's great living in Santa Barbara, Steve. You know, it's great, right? Yes, yeah. And, and it's hard to move to Rochester because it's not really the East Coast. It's actually a lot more like, uh, like it's more like London, Ontario, than it is like New York, New York, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just for our Canadian friends to to keep with the theme. But I live close enough to Yehuda that I get to spend a lot of time there. And every night, he doesn't have a nightlight. So I just have to use <laughs> the light from his collection and I sleep in his collection room. And so every night when I nice. sleep there, I just go over to the little R2-D2 or C-3PO switcheroo or Darth Vader switcheroo and just go click and then I go to bed. It's like the cutest thing in the world. And now, without further ado, or should I say without any further switcheroo, Here's the interview with Yehuda, which actually falls pretty well right here, because everything that we talk about could be classified as something unloved. And it's all in Yehuda's house. Let's go. Yehuda! So, I've recorded in Yehuda Kleinman's AT-AT-IC several times, uh, basically because I come here a lot. I come here with my family and we have a nice time. But with all the stuff on this month's episode, with all of us talking about Celebration Europe and London and room sales and all that stuff, I thought, let's do a couple things that are a little closer to home. So I want him to basically give us a tour and explain two different things that are in his collection, the AT-AT-IC. Um, how, do you, how do you pronounce it? Uh, the At-Attic. Right. I can't obviously say that because that's ridiculous. Um, but there are two things that actually hang on either side of the bed where I am sleeping. One of them is this, let me see if I can describe it. It is a something Japanese. It is a plastic sheet. It's basically plastic holder with six slots, almost like a baseball card holder, if you know what those look like, with six slots for these postcard things with Japanese writing above them and six different images from Star Wars. You have Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, actually a really weird shot you don't usually see of Obi-Wan Kenobi with a lightsaber, but not with Darth Vader in front of him. Uh, a troopy on a do-back. Um, you agree with troopy, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, you see, that's another one. Uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, uh, Luke and Leia shooting, uh, 3PO and R2 in the control room, and the standard Han and Chewie. So what exactly are these things, Yehuda? So, actually, it's a store display for the Japanese version of the trading cards that were put out in 77. And uh, I believe the company that put it out, it was, it was all the cards were licensed by Topps, but I think in Japan it was Yamakatsu or some name similar to that. And it's a series of 36 cards in the set, and they're actually not numbered, so you have to know the 36 cards. And they came in different varieties. One of the ways they came were in these small little cellophane packs with, with, I think, four cards in each pack and a little header on top. And what you see them hanging in with these six slots is the actual store display where you would pick up a pack of cards out of. And they also were 
uh, distributed in different ways in Japan as well. I believe in other cellophane multi-packs and uh, in uh, wrapped paper packages. And um, But this uh, store display hangs very nicely. And it's interesting because it has this red string and you're just supposed to tack it on the wall and kids are supposed to come up and take out a pack and buy it. Yeah, the red string is amazingly non-plastic and non-industrial. It actually feels like you'd have to be wearing like wooden sandals in order to take these things down. And also what's neat is they, they take... So I didn't realize that these were cards and not postcards. So do we know what's written on the back? Um, I don't because I never opened the packages. <laughs> okay, well, that'll, that'll be for another time. Um, I told him to look out for a do-back for my son because he has the doozy him, of course. Um, but what's neat is the actual image on the top. I assume it has Star Wars written in, in Japanese across it in red. But then they took some of the images from the cards, like such as 3PO and R2 in the control room, and essentially, I mean, not Photoshopped them out, but they must have uh, just kind of uh, reproduced them and cut them out and put them in the back of the scene. And same thing with the, the TIE fighter fighting the, the X-Wing. They just have the X-Wing right next to the upside-down Death Star, if you've ever seen that image. Uh, that's pretty well known. So yeah, this is a really cool thing. I imagine it's the kind of thing that only you and a couple of Japanese collectors and Duncan Jenkins even care about. How, how did you get it? Well, it's funny, and both things that you're going to talk about today I got in the same way. It was from uh, from my Sherpa, Ron. You know, He just points out stuff that he knows that he's interested in and I'm interested in. So Ron tipped me off to both of these things. Well, that's, you know, that's something that's always good to know, is uh, people often talk about, oh, what's the deal with the, with the hobby, and it's not what you have, it's who you know. And really, what really helps is to have people who are just always your on, yeah, your friends who are always on eBay and helping you out. I mean, almost everything I bought in the last year has been a tip from either Tom Quinn or uh, Phidias Barrios. Um, they just end up sending me these links, and I'm like, hey, look, it's a 48B, and then I buy it. Okay, so that's at the foot of my bed, and then we swing all the way over to the other side, and, and we look at something that's actually, when I first looked at it, I thought it was banal, or as you like to call it, B-anal, um, and it, just something about it was, the more I looked at it, it's an R2-D2, and it's a head-on R2-D2 shot. It's very cleanly cut around the edges. It's actually one of the more precise, precisely cut-out die-cut pieces that I've seen. I assume it would be die-cut. And it has, uh, uh, basically between his legs, just the word Star Wars. And for some reason, when I looked at it, I saw the 20th Century Fox logo in the bottom, in the bottom left hand, and I associated that with the records. So when he told me what it was, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. But I had no idea what it was. So what is this, Yehuda? That was a very good pickup that you saw that in the fine print because this is a store display for the original record for Star Wars. And uh, on this side, is a, uh, as you mentioned, a beautiful die-cut image of R2. On the back, actually, is a nice image of the Death Star as well as a space scene. And if you look at the very top of it, it also has a similar thing to it, to the Japanese card, a store display where it has a little hole on top and a little string, and again was a dangler or something that would hang down. Um, and it's also interesting that they made a very similar store display for the LP with a rack on the bottom that they actually kept records in. You could take the record out of the store display as well. Right, and I just, the more I've lived with this, I've been staying here for a week, the more I've really come to appreciate this image. But that's actually not all we're going to talk about. We're not just going to talk about the goings-on in my bed in Yehuda's house. Yeah. We're also going to talk about these two weird things 
that he's been posting on Facebook to try to understand exactly what they are. Now, I don't have them in front of me, and they're downstairs, and we just had a long walk and a nice Bastille day where we had some fireworks and I made bread with jam on it, and we made an egg cream for no apparent reason. They were good, though. They were good? They were good. The egg creams are awesome. Yeah, if you don't know what an egg cream is, uh, you should learn it, you should make it or buy it, and then you should say that was disappointing, and then you should realize that your taste buds are too accustomed to sweet, creamy things to truly appreciate an egg cream. That's the Papa Jalops of this trip. But the thing I'm particularly thinking of is this really strange image, and it's, it seems so 80s that I thought it had to be custom, but it is a face wearing sunglasses, and in the reflection of the sunglasses is the Star Wars Tom Young original theatrical poster. Is this thing a custom? It's not at all a custom. It's actually an internal piece from 20th Century Fox, and it's not from 77, it's from early 80s. It was actually put out when they were putting out their movies for the re-release of Empire. So they, for some reason, put a Star Wars image in there as well, because Star Wars was such a mega hit. And really, is it's a great picture because you see the double image reflected in the sunglasses of the, of the wearer. And it's, it's one of my favorite images of the original poster. And then if you turn to the back of it, you'll see Santa Claus uh, wearing a pair of sunglasses, and his sunglasses are reflected the images of the Empire poster. Wait, I don't think I actually... I've never seen that. Have you posted that? I, I haven't posted that, but yeah, I can, I can definitely show you. Wow, Kivecast exclusive Space Freaks. Santa Claus, first of all, wearing sunglasses. I mean, I guess you'd have to wear goggles to be going at that speed. With the Empire Strikes Back poster reflected. And that's just such a great 80s trope. And then the other thing about it, too, is that there's an artist, and a lot of his stuff goes through um, Animation Collectors Gallery, or whatever they're called. The um, What's the name of that, that group that does Acme? So, you know, there's the Acme Prince, and there's this guy who does these hyper-realistic paintings. You know, it would be a, a picture of Vader, and inside his eyes it would be reflected a picture of Luke or something. And he does a lot, like, just based on the reflection of the eyes. I always think they're not cheesy, but um, it's like a cool idea, but I don't think it looks that great. But, I mean, just having these dudes with rad sunglasses is just absolutely awesome. Well, it's really cool. It actually looks like, like Tom Cruise in Risky Business with his glasses hanging down. And it really speaks for the time of the early 80s and the transition between the 70s to the 80s, where the 70s Star Wars poster is reflected in what would be more of like an early 80s iconic image. And you know what? Some people, Yehuda, are going to be listening to this in the summer. Some people are going to be listening to this wearing sunglasses. And so I am actually now commanding you, Space Freaks, and even if you don't want to, you'll be forced to do the thing where you lower your sunglasses and you look over the top, like in the 80s when you look at a hot girl and like that's how you indicate that you're a player and you're cool. So right now, when you're at your home and where you're driving around, take your sunglasses, lower them down, look over the top like a cool guy. Uh, did you want to talk about Indonesian cards? So we, we, we started off with Japanese cards, which are larger than normal tops cards. We've then uh, taken a trip through Display Land with the R2-D2, and we then talked about the, the internal memo from 20th Century Fox. So this last thing, these are really hard to describe. If you look at them, I would say they're about, what, the 11 by 18, something like that? 
about, something like that. Right. Ele- ele- yeah, yeah, 11 by 11 by 18 would be about right. So, so that's in inches. In centimeters, that would be about th- 46. It would be no, no. It would, it would be five stone. five liter. Five liters. Yes, yeah. five liter, three stone uh, in metric. But the point is, bigger than a piece of paper, right? But not as big as a poster. And on it are all these very colorful and absolutely bizarre comic book images of Star Wars characters doing strange things. Like, one of my favorites is Chewbacca praying next to a stream while a uh, rhinoceros comes and attacks him. Um, it's all written in strange... What is the language that it's written in? What is this? They're Indonesian, and, and actually, what we ha- what we have here are the Indonesian trading cards. So, w- those were things that were easy to make for kids in any country, even in, in a poor country like Indonesia. And bootlegs; these are a bootleg version. These are not licensed items, and uh, they're not really widely known. But there are four different sheets of cards. The cards weren't cut, and so you would get a sheet of cards. Um, each sheet would have 36 of these cartoon images, which would be a card, and we were supposed to cut them up. Um, and then one sheet has 50 cards. And uh, But don't get the idea that these are really big cards. They're very small. They're about like the size of your – maybe about the size of your thumb, I would say. Yeah, about, uh, an, inch, uh, about an inch or, uh, to two inches each. Right. So they aren't gigantic cards. So it really does almost look more like a comic book than like cards. Well, it does, and actually, the other fam- the other bootleg items that are vintage that came out of Indonesia were some really fantastic comics with individual art, just like you were describing before, which are really cartoonish in seventies and bootleggy and bright orange and red and primary colors and um, things just taken in a whole different a whole different tone. So you look at the characters in the bootleg way, and uh, they all still have the original artwork that's modified so on the first issue you'll still see the chaken art that you would have seen on the poster going back to the star wars a marvel issue number one and from the first poster as the art on the first comic book in indonesia but heavily heavily modified so I, this is almost turning into a vintage world tour which we haven't done in a couple of years so what else do we need? To, is that all that you know about Indonesian vintage items? There are these crazy cards of different colors and the comic books. Do you know anything else? Comic books? There's actually, besides a set of three comic books, which are these fantastic bootlegs, there are also a lot of stories, Star Wars stories, mixed in with other comic books. I have some Indonesian comic books that are a mix of Dennis the Menace and Star Wars. I mean, funny things like that. So it's really mostly when it comes to vintage collectibles out of Indonesia, it's going to be these comics and cards and maybe some posters. And that's all I've really uncovered from that area. And what is the capital of Indonesia? Star Wars. (laughs) Isn't it Jakarta? Uh, Yes. It was like a series of islands, right? It is, uh, yes, archipelago, I believe is the term. Archipelago. And it's in the south, south, see, if I get this wrong, I have to edit this all out. I, so I believe it's in, in the South Pacific, right? It's a collection of islands. I think it's not that far from Japan. Is that wrong? Yeah, I don't think it's too far from it. Yeah. So this is why we like to talk to people actually from the country. Uh, and sometime we're going to have a gigantic, uh, uh, special about, uh, things from Israel. But, uh, I don't think now is quite the time. So awesome. Well, I'm going to uh, edit this all together and mix it all up. And thank you for inviting me into your ATAT Ek one more time. As always, it's a pleasure. Yeah. 
And now, let's switch off the switcheroo and go back to the switcheroo of the unloved. I just like that they, they advertise, you know, light switch up, light switch cover for kids' rooms. And it's not necessarily... <laughs> Don't don't limit it to kids' rooms, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's there's one for R two D two, and it's yep. it's right in the middle of his body, and then for C three PO, it's right in his mouth, uh, <laughs> which is quite amusing. You'd think after the tops card, maybe they would have put uh, they would have put it right in the middle. <laughs> right <laughs> now, that's a custom worth making. That's a switcheroo. Oh boy! Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Um, and I, I didn't send this to you guys, but I, I remembered seeing some some fun like prototype stuff related to these as well. Um, so there's like proof cards uh, for the the different characters, but there's also some really great um, original conceptual artwork that that Ron has. Um, that it has the the R two and three PO Invader uh, with the awesome like '80s font switcheroo and. I don't know. It it's, might be something worth worth checking out in relation to this. Kind of see where they came from, but um, I don't know. I just thought that as a Kenner Kenner toy that people may not always think about, um, it's a good time to to highlight them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. First of all, just switcheroo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just said, uh, "Let's go with a weird term from like '40s gangster movies." Yeah. Right, <laughs> the old switcheroo. Mm-hmm. I've never questioned them being called switcheroos, but they just yeah. are. Um, now, did you end up Elling with the R two D two switcheroo proof card that used to be in Brian Simmons' collection? I didn't get that. No, and uh, there was a, a card back, like the proof card, and then there was even like a carded mock up that turned up within the last couple of years, and they cycled around from a couple different collectors fairly quickly, and. Again, just uh, other interests at that time that I thought was perhaps a higher priority. So, no, I passed those by, and <clears throat> I, they'll turn up eventually. So those things tend to tend to cycle. They're not core pieces of, of most people's collections. So Right. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. And the switcheroo font, too, I never really noticed it, but they, they make it a little bit, like, glowing, so it looks almost like a, right. like a neon light. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do Do we know was Switcheroo a standard Kenner product that they? That was actually something I was going to ask because I I was trying to figure out if they used these for other uh, licenses, like if other properties had Switcheroos, if this is a thing, or if this is really just something they went for with with Star Wars during the Empire Strikes Back line. Do you guys know? Oh, that's a good question. No, I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, a quick a Google search didn't either. didn't yield anything, so I was curious if, if in fact there might be something else out there, but I, I couldn't find anything. No, I think switcheroos are just for Star Wars. <laughs> that makes it even stranger to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, I never really thought about the name either until just now. That's interesting. <laughs> out of all of the things that I thought this episode, because almost every episode there's something I want. I never thought that it would be switcheroo proof cards, but <laughs> that's definitely mm-hmm. one of the coolest things that that's popped up here. Because you just realize it, it's just this giant green or pink uh, or blue just swath. Oh, wait a minute! I think I found another switcheroo. Oh, it's a strawberry shortcake switcheroo. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, I just found the Scooby Doo. See, I was wondering if there would be like a Scooby Doo. A Scooby Doo switcheroo. Yeah, I just found a Scooby-Doo switcheroo. Awesome. <laughs> Made by Kenner. There you go. 
Wow. Are you serious? That is the coolest named product of all time, Scooby-Doo Switcheroo. <laughs> and all Scooby-Doo ends with a switcheroo. The whole show is a switcheroo. Uh, oh, man. That is that you know, is meta. <laughs> I'd, I'd say Scooby-Doo. He, he might just be, uh, you know, a generic dog that looks like Scooby-Doo. I don't see... <laughs> I'm trying to find. I don't see the actual name Scooby Doo, but he looks an awful lot like him. All I can find is pictures of uh, couples, male female couples who have swapped clothes, and it's not pretty. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other switcheroo that that you found? Did you say was? Oh, I I thought that I found. You know, this is. <laughs> hey Steve, should we get a theme song for looking up switcheroos? Uh, <laughs> oh. Let's see. I just found Tinkerbell. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's see. It was switch. I just said it, but then I forgot what I said. Uh, what's it called? It looks like. Oh, Dolly Light Switch. Mm. What? It's on Etsy. Switcheroo. <laughs> <laughs> switch. I hope this isn't some kind of terrorist code word. Um, uh, Switcheroo Kenner Dolly. I just found a Walt Disney licensed Tinkerbell switcheroo. Okay, so this was a thing. Uh, yeah, I found you your, your Scooby, Scooby-Doo switcheroo. I think that's just a bit of a Scooby-Doo knockoff. <laughs> yeah, the Tinkerbell is just a light a plate, you know, a light switch cover. They call it a switcheroo, but it doesn't have the the switching mechanism like you know the dog. His eyes go up and down, and his nose is the switch. So all I can find is this really small image of this dolly, and it says switcheroo in the font that is used on Ron Salvatore's mock-up image Ah, for the Kenner switcheroo. So I think switcheroo did exist before, and it was really small, and maybe we have – Maybe we have uh, listeners who are who, who know everything about switcheroos. Like if I if I had known, um, but yeah, that it appears as though it did exist. Um, but now I'm just going down the rabbit hole of clicking on random Kenner products I didn't know existed, <laughs> such as baby heartbeat doll. Oh boy! Oh yes. <laughs> Listen to her heartbeat with her special stethoscope. Take her temperature. Mm. Oh, okay. Kenner Easy Curl Quick Hair Setting Kit. That's a fire hazard. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, Steve, well, well, good, uh, good, good unloved item here. Well, we definitely have to get to the lightning round with both of these guys, and we have to do the market watch game. Yes. So let's do the lightning round with one, and then do the market watch game, and then do the lightning round with the other. Okay. Because wait, is this the first time you guys have been on the show? I think maybe you've you've like recorded in passing, but not like extended time on the show, right? Right. Right. For me, yeah, yeah I have not. I've never been on. Oh, it's pretty horrible, Steve. It's been seventy-five episodes, and we haven't had them on. That's that's a testament. Whenever people talk about us being too like inner circle-y, um, uh, you don't get like much cooler and old school than these two guys, and we've never had them on. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. Okay, good. So, uh, let's start with Elling. You ready, Elling? Sure, give it a shot. Okay, let's see if I'm ready because I don't actually have the questions in front of me. I've only asked them 75 times. So how can I be expected to remember them? What is your favorite... You keep switching it up, though, too. Yeah, that's so, like, true. We don't know what to even predict. <laughs> that's true. Uh, what is your favorite bad line from a Star Wars movie? 
Yeah, that's that's tough. It's got to be a prequel line for sure. So um, I tend to agree with with your line, but but really, it's uh, it's likely got to be Anakin when he's um, you know Tuck of the clones when he's whining about sand getting everywhere. Uh, <laughs> that or or Panaka when he says uh, you know that this is a war I do not think we can win. Ah, that's Ooh, a good one. Yeah. Everyone says sand, and I defend it because Steve, you grew up on the beach, right? <laughs> yeah, but sand gets everywhere. Okay, it really does. <laughs> sand really does suck. It really sucks. Like I've lived that must in have sand. Been, George and... just must have been feeling the same way and had to had to express it yeah. somehow. <laughs> I've lived with snow. I've lived with mud. I've lived with sand, and sand it gets everywhere. It's not smooth. Not like you, Steve. Um, <laughs> But but Panaka, this is not a war. I think we could win. That's great. Yeah, because I don't even really remember that line. Okay, next question: uh, Do you have a uh, let's say a Grail in general, and do you have a R two D two Grail, and do you have an R two D two sensor scope Grail? Oh wow! So a Grail in general. Yes. Um, they likely cross over. Um, so likely my ultimate grail would be the the wood pattern for R two D two. Ah, uh, you know, there's not mm-hmm. not many wood patterns out there. Uh, the R two one has been photographed. Uh, you know, there's photographic evidence, uh, but it's never turned up. You uh-huh. know, and the few patterns that do exist, I mean, they're for you know for ships or vehicles that type of thing. So, so that would be you know my my true grail, and it's you know something that you know doesn't exist. I mean, a pet peeve of mine: people use grail all the time for everything. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> no, and I think that's just uh, one of those lines they use on Facebook. It's like, oh, this is my grail, and everyone feels sorry for them, and they sell the piece to them. <laughs> and then six months later, the person's flipping it and on to their next grail. So, but anyway, so something like that, it's never turned up. Nobody knows about it. Um, you know, so that would be the, the overall one. And unfortunately, my second one is pretty much R2-focused as well, and it would be the, the original uh, cardback artwork for the droids R2-D2. Mm. And uh, interesting, that piece has never turned up. The, Wait, the really? For all the other characters, no, no one, no one has seen it. It, it is. Ooh. I don't know if it was one that was sort of picked out early on, and it's residing in some employee's house, um, their mm. junk room. But but all the other cardback artwork. I mean, um, you know, for all the the droids, Ewoks characters, produced and unproduced, they all all have turned up. Um, but. Yeah, R2 is, is nowhere to be found. So That's fascinating. So that would be you know, a phenomenal piece. Both those would be phenomenal pieces I'd love to get my hands on. The the R2-D2, the, the, the original art for the droids, I just totally assumed that that had to exist because I remember seeing them all for sale. The Tom, Tom Nyheiser was selling them all for around $5,000 a piece. I figured... And I don't think the R2 was, was part of that. Batch. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I think, I think it was missing right from day one. Huh. Wow, I didn't know that either. I assumed that it was part of that part of that initial batch as well. Yeah, no, unless uh, unless I'm mistaken, but I I don't believe so. And now let, let's actually get into a, a little debate here. So about the the Grail question, right? The thing, okay, this is what drives me the most crazy about people using Grail, is people who don't know what something is, they're offered it and then they buy it and then they say it's their Grail. Right, mm. like that happened mm. with a whole bunch of uh, of like Spanish items, right? Like a whole bunch of mm. like Spanish ESB stuff came up like last year, 
And it's like, man, I didn't know this existed. You can't buy it and then say, this is my grail. <laughs> like, you didn't even look for it. It just popped up. But anyway. Mm. Um, yep. No, and I and I I fully agree. I mean, it it just drives me nuts when when people use Grail just sort of flippantly like that. Uh, I think it's got to be something that typically you would only have one Grail. Um, yeah. You know, could you have a couple? Perhaps. But again, these would be, you know, it's sort of like the, you know, the Indiana Jones the quest for the Holy Grail. I mean, it it's something that's that's you know believed to exist, but the you know the actual evidence of it existing is is, is scattered or you know almost non-existent. So the quest to find that piece and the revelation when it does actually turn up, you know, again that to me that's that's a grail. No. You know, to find an unproduced piece that that didn't exist. Um, well, like you know, this boss of card back. I mean, in, in Bill Cable's mind, you know, that would have been, you know, a grail for him because there was other Bassa pieces that existed, but he didn't know that the three PO one was was necessarily out there. So um, could you, you know, quest for a grail that that doesn't exist that you hope exists? Uh, yeah, I guess that that would be perhaps reasonable, but well, I I think as far if if we have uh, you know orthodox vocabulary usage, I think your grails are perfect because mm-hmm. okay, well, for, there's more than one, so you're disqualified. But <laughs> if we can accept them as a definition, because we don't even know if they're out there, which is kind of what makes it so crazy. But I actually think I don't know, Steve, if you agree with me. But I didn't know that the the pictures for the wood pattern for R two D two were on the archive. Did you know that? I feel like I've seen them years ago. Right. Um. I yeah. But yeah. It's it's that's it. I but mean, but Ron did a write up of it, and we talked about the wood pattern before when we talked with him last time. I don't know, a couple months ago. But yeah. What do you think? Do you think maybe I should read just this wood pattern? The article. Uh, about the wood pattern for R2-D2 just because that might help to clarify things as as for what a wood sure. pattern is. Okay. Why not? Sure. So the pictures will be on the enhanced version and the YouTube version. But if you can just imagine it, it looks like the, the components of a R2-D2 solid dome figure but just in wood and they're really old grainy photographs. Much of the original artwork from the vintage Kenner toys was patterned from hardwoods such as cherry or mahogany. Ideal for non-organic shapes, such as the hard lines and mechanical details of droids, weapons, and vehicles, this process was equivalent to the sculpting done in wax and acetate for most of the figures in the 3 and 3 quarter and 12 inch and micro collection lines. So that's the thing I didn't understand before. This is not Ron, this is Sky. I didn't understand that it's the same thing as carving it in wax or acetate. It's just they happen to do it in wood, and so they right. called it patterning. Mm-hmm. Back to Ron's description. Carved in several different pieces, both by machine and by hand, such patterns also incorporated numerous outside details, which might themselves be carved from another material or hand cast from a rubber mold. Such patterns were often created at twice their intended production scale in order to allow for greater degree of detail in the final production molds. Unfortunately, the intricate details of most patterns were destroyed during the creation of production tooling, having been torn off or distorted during the taking of negative epoxy casts, which would then be used in the final pantographing process to create the production molds. So that's crazy that just, this is Sky again, just to create it, destroyed it 
Mm. Yeah, some poetry to that. Yeah. <laughs> R2-D2 is probably one of the few Kenner Star Wars action figures to be patterned in wood rather than sculpted in wax or acetate. I added wax or acetate. I hope that's right. The simplest, the simplistic shape of the droid was well suited to this technique. Here you see a close-up of the, quote, head, and Ron pr provides a picture of the head. Here's a second photo of the primary pieces. This is like the trash, the trash can, the dome, and the leg. I apologize for the dim quality of the photos, but you should still be able to make out the parts in this shot. The shot of the leg bes beside a ruler should give you some idea of the scale at which the pattern was created. So this is amazing. The old yeah. pictures from the sculptors back in the 70s were put next to a ruler, so you have a sense of the scale. It appears to have been made mm -hmm. in the scale at which it was intended to be produced. Only one half of the leg is visible here. Many of these patterns appear to have been made in halves. Since the production molds would themselves be made in separate halves, this probably facilitated the translation of these three-dimensional models into negative casts and finally into steel. These incredible photos were uncovered thanks to the diligence of an anonymous collector who's done us a service by bringing these to light. All right. So, yeah, that's awesome. You, you know what, uh, Ellen? Actually, I kind of want that too. <laughs> well, what, what we could do is, what we could like to do is share. There's a uh, FX7, the medical droid, would likely been a, another one that would have been patterned. Right. So mm -hmm. what we do is we can split those. You can have the uh, FX, and I'll have the R2. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That it's just great. I mean, you get the sense that holding one of these would be really cool. Yeah. 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 That is, that is absolutely a true grail. That's amazing. Okay. Um, now, Elling, in the event that. Uh, well, there are forest fires in Edmonton, right? Wasn't that, that that huge fire in Western Canada earlier this year? Yeah, that was that was north of us, about six hours. But yeah, certainly, uh, yeah, fires are just a general hazard. So yeah, let's right. go with that scenario. Well, you know, I for an American, that's pretty good. Six hours, one way, or the, mm -hmm. one direction or another. For an American, that that's 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 right on the on the on the on the nose. Um, so in the event that that swept all the way down uh, to outside of Edmonton, what would be the one item you would take from your collection? Yeah, that's a tough one, and I think about this every every time I listen to the podcast and you ask <laughs> this. But uh, <laughs> it would likely, you know, a lot of people they they focus on well, it'd be like that cherished childhood item, and you know, while that, I do have pieces like that, and, and certainly they hold value, um, I guess for me I would be more focused on on items that would be more important to the the hobby as a whole, right? Like my beat up old stormtrooper with a painted uh, left foot. Nobody else cares about that, right? But <laughs> some of the other pieces, like some <laughs> stuff that you know Tracy has, I mean, like those are you know again like one of a kind pieces, like you know. Uh, so for me, it would be uh, some of the artwork I have and likely my my unproduced uh, Ewoks card back art for the Morag character uh, would be the one item I would I would save did you know I have a colleague whose first name is Morag and, uh, <laughs> no way. yeah yeah she she teaches <laughs> she, she teaches history and uh, you know, she's an attractive woman and, and everything but I still can't help it like every time I say her name I think of Morag and then of course I go wait which one's Morag because I never know any of the choice awesome. Ewoks yeah. yeah, well, you just need to think of her as the uh, in the cartoon series that she transforms at some point into some young, beautiful looking, like fox like creature. So, just mm. you just have to look up that image so you're not totally turned off next <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, well, yeah. And I, that's always a, a funny question about 
you know, what's the one thing you would grab? And that's one of the things I did. Like when I found my childhood Chewy, I just threw it into the pile of all the other 400 ones. And I might have given it away because it's like, eh, I don't <laughs> care. It's whatever. And I'm sure I had fun playing with it. Maybe I didn't. But what, what are you, crazy? No, I'm taking the, the chromalins and the proofs. <laughs> You've got to be out of your mind. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it's not even a dollar value. I mean, I've got pieces that are like the higher dollar value as individual items. But, right. yeah, you know, for, for me, that's, that's one of my favorite pieces. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, it's just something that I think has, has a lot of value within the, the hobby itself. Just so can't, can't trying, be to be, try, yeah. trying to be a vintage snob here and, uh, you know, a steward of the hobby, so, you know say something like that yeah absolutely well then if if you do listen to to many episodes then you know the last question that's coming up which is of course if you were a vintage star wars item not which one would you like to be but which one do you actually think you would be i think i am likely the uh, the imperial probot the, the multi-arm droid the multi-arm droid that is, uh, I guess, multitasking, uh-huh. uh, seeking his way through the. You know, typically, it's, it's more of my, uh, you know, my my job uh, as a project manager. You're constantly multitasking. Uh, it's like a, a tentacle, you know, multi-tentacle creature on fire. It seems <laughs> like a lot of days, crisis <laughs> management. So yeah, to have, have mul- multiple arms and to be constantly seeking and uh, collecting information in order to, you know. To progress work, yeah. Wow, I, I like that. Now, what what do you think the probe droid says? That's a great idea. Likely something to the effect of you know he's freezing his uh, something off. So, <laughs> Don't, I always heard it as like like trailer of the crumb bums, trailer of the Sith. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! A trailer well, it's of the that. trailer of the crumbum. <laughs> trailer of the Sith. <laughs> Watch it! You'll hear, you'll hear that. That sounds yeah, like a robo robopath <laughs> yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's that's the beauty of subtitles nowadays, and, and the internet. You can actually look up the lines and, and determine what characters are actually saying, not perhaps the probe droid, but. Um, with the Empire Strikes Back, I always remember the one line. Uh, Admiral Veer speaks it in the in the Adat in the Hoth scenes there, and uh, you know, the shields are down. You begin. You may begin your landing. Yes, Lord Vader. I've reached the main power generators. The shield will be down in moments. You may start your landing. Uh-huh. All the, the the literally hundreds of times that I that I watched Empire on, on VHS, I, I could never quite pick that up, and I always thought. He said that you could begin your napping. You know, <laughs> ah. Tell Vader, you can begin your napping. This is like, yeah, it's all cool. Go have a go have a snooze. We're good. You may start your napping. Begin your napping. You may start your napping. Begin your napping. Begin your napping. Your napping. Oh, that is that, that is so great. Somebody needs a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why he's a Sith. He's just a little cranky. Just give him a yeah, trailer of the crumb bomb. Trailer of the Sith. Love <laughs> it. Wow, awesome. Well then, uh, Steve, what w- would say we uh, get get to our crazy battle of who knows vintage prices? All right, let's do it. One dollar flicks. Market watch.
All right. Now, uh, Tracy and Alec, are you guys – Tracy, are you currently – surfing eBay and buying Star Wars toys on a consistent basis? Um, not really so much. Proactive. And Elling, are you super active on eBay? I am not, nope. Oh. Uh, my deals tend to be off eBay and, uh, yeah, typically more private, so. Yeah. yeah, same here. So I think I'm actually the most qualified this month. <laughs> I've spent, you know, well, the thing is, because there's, I've listened to this podcast enough to know that I'm just going to throw the match and make sure that you win in order to keep you happy. <laughs> yes, thank you. There you go. <laughs> Ellen gets it. <laughs> no, but, so this is the thing, like, and it's the 75th episode, so I think we could finally talk about this, Steve. I think for most of the time that we've done this podcast about collecting Star Wars toys, I was not really actively collecting Star Wars toys. I, I think I, mm. the same exact scenario for me. It, it's this weird thing where, you know, of course, I spent years and years and years and years checking eBay literally 10 times a day, scanning prices, doing the whole thing, being super into it, and building up a collection. And then I reached a point where. Mm -hmm. People knew me and people contacted me and I didn't need to be on eBay all the time. Right, right, and, right. And I, I spent a whole bunch of money on proofs, what I thought was a bunch of money. I stole a bunch of proofs, it turns out, and mm. I, I didn't really have anything, so we started the podcast. And so I realized, like, looking back, like, through, like, episodes, like, 14 through 73, um, like, not really that many, but for a lot of them, like, I just wasn't quite in it as much as I could be. Like I was into the telling the stories, but really up until I got into the Facebook thing, I wasn't actually, there was a period of time where I wasn't really super engaged in the hobby. I was talking about it, but not super engaged in it. And now I feel like that's changed. Now I'm on Facebook all the time. I'm, it's crazy, Steve, right? I'm like, yeah, you, you're, uh, you're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's fun. I'm getting rewarded for it by enjoying myself and making new friends. And then I've really decided that now that we're coming to the end of Empire Strikes Back figures, I like really started pushing myself to, to complete my ESB 48B run. And I've nice. picked up Steve. How many have I picked up in the last month? I don't know. I have a lot of pictures of you taking selfies with your 48Bs. It's, it's a, I can make a calendar pretty soon. So, so that's what I do. Every time I get a 48B, I take a picture of myself with it, and then I send a selfie. I send that selfie nice. to Steve, just to Steve, not to the rest of Facebook, just to Steve, and I title it King. I just write King. Yeah. And uh, in this last month, I got Rex Springfield's Yoda. I talk about that yet, Steve? I don't know if you have. I don't think actually. I have. I yeah. have Rick Springfield's from his collection. I spent four times as much as I've spent on any other <laughs> 48B. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. I've got Rick Springfield's Yoda. And for listeners of this show, you know how that, important that, that, that is to me. That does mean something. So that, yeah. that's, I mean, that's <laughs> becoming my burning house piece. Um, Mark, <laughs> Mark Carraway, speaking of focus collectors, so like there are all these names of these legendary focus collectors, and Mark Carraway was the Luke X Wing guy. <clears throat> and I, right. I mean, I think he had probably the most complete uh, card, like production run of any character, I think. I mean, yeah. I, I, I suppose. I suppose Bill has a has a better one of Vader, but it was unbelievable. I don't think there's anything he was missing. 
So I bought his mm. Luke X-Wing 48B, and that was really cool because I like feeling like I have like a piece of a great collection, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah I got his uh, I got his 20 back. I believe it was 20, 20 back Luke X-Wing. Yeah. And, so, and then on top of that, I decided, well, I've been putting together this run of uh, ESB 21 backs for the last 13 years or whatever. <clears throat> and I finally got two more pieces. I haven't added to that in about two or three years because the prices have been so crazy. Would you like to guess what two figures I got? Hmm. Let's say R2 and 3PO. That's right. Yes. Those were the two. Those are really hard to find. Yes, Ellie. They're they're really hard to find. I mean, they're not hard to find if you're willing to spend 500 bucks. But if you're like me and you don't want to spend more than... Well, I used to not spend more than 50. I now try not to spend more than 200. They're really hard to find. Mm -hmm. And so I got those and it just made me happy. Like, I just remember how fun it is buying Star Wars toys again. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So all that is right. a way to say that when I lose this month, it's going to be particularly hilarious because I have actually been paying attention to, to Facebook <laughs> and, to, and to eBay. We'll disregard that inside information. Yes. Yeah. So here's the thing. All right. So um, I don't know if you guys know how to play the game, so I'll just say it for people listening because people can listen to. Steve is going to describe a figure briefly. We are going to write down on a piece of paper what we think the score is going to be. You're on your honor to actually say the number that you write down. We're then going to, to go around the table and we're going to say what number we are and whoever's closest gets the point. And whoever gets the most points wins the game. Okay? All right. Uh-huh. You guys ready? Okay, and this comes from Brisbane, Brisbane Mike, right? Yeah, so we have I've got five things uh, for a combination of uh, C-3PO, removable limbs, and R2 sensor scope. Great. All right, so... Up first, we have a AFA 85 C-3PO 47 back. Okay. So it's, I mean, beyond the, the AFA 85, there isn't much I can really tell you. It's, it's the four-alarm offer. It's in very nice shape. And, that, and that's, the debut, that's the debut cart back. Mm-hmm. Okay, AFA 85. Okay, I'm, I'm writing down a number here. So All right, Sky. Sky, what do you I got? I wrote down $698.97. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Elling? Uh, I wrote uh, thirteen hundred dollars. Okay, and uh, Tracy. <laughs> I wrote down five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, you're you're reasonable. Sky's a little more close, but Elling, uh, you got that one. So it sold for twelve hundred and twenty-three dollars. Nice, wow. nice job, Ellie. Ellie. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, 80, like 85 debut yeah. back. I mean, any character like that. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's commands a premium nowadays, right? So it's crazy. Mm. It's crazy. Yep. I'd never pay thirteen hundred bucks for it, even for an R two. Yeah. Uh, but yep, that's right. the way. It's the way things are going. Um, okay, so up next we've got a uh, Return of the Jedi sixty five back C three PO removable limbs. This one is not graded. Uh, it has a, a fairly yellow bubble. So this is the Emperor uh, offer. Um, the punch is punched out, but the card otherwise looks pretty nice. You, This is really tough. All right. So, <clears throat> Sky, you got something? Yes. All right. I have $123.45. Okay. Ellie? 
I got 165. All right. And Tracy? Uh, I wrote 150. 150? Bargain, $81. Oh, yeah. Sky gets that one. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Giving those away. Yeah, practically. (laughs) I I think yellow bubbles really bring down the price. Mm. Oh, was this yellow bubble? I sorry, I missed uh, that. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's true though. Otherwise, it's a, it's a really nice figure. Um, yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, moving on to some R two sensor scopes. Uh, what we've got first? Let's see. What back was this? Okay. So this is the forty five back display arena offer R two with sensor scope. So, th- so that's the it debut. Is, uh, it's not graded, uh, but the card is in great shape. Uh, punch is still there. It has a price sticker. The bubble is just kind of starting to turn, but otherwise looks very nice. Where's the price sticker from? Uh, I can't quite. Let me see. Hold on a second. Use the zoom feature here. Bradley's. Ooh, Bradley's. Mm-hmm. I, I used yeah. to buy stuff at Bradley's. I'll tell you what the price was back then, if you want to know. Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Wow. Two ninety nine. All right. Uh, what do you got, Sky? I wrote five hundred two dollars and eighty eight cents. All right, Ellie. Yeah, I don't have that much. I only have one hundred and twenty. Okay. And Tracy. I wrote eight fifty. Woo. Oh. Man, <laughs> so the final price for this guy was two fifty five. So who can do math? Oh my goodness, <laughs> on a, on an Empire car? Yes, that's oh, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> what was what was Guy's price? Guy's was five oh two. So let's oh see. man, I I got it then. One twenty yeah. versus two fifty five. Yep. yep, nice. Yep. All right, so two for Elling. Oh, I thought <laughs> nice. he said he was going to throw this. <laughs> nope. No. He was just that was just a bluff. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, you and I are more alike in, in, in any more ways than you can imagine. Yes. So competitive, competitive to the core. I believe it. Yep. Yep. Okay. So our second R two sensor scope is an ESB forty eight back C. So the the printed uh, revenge offer, and it's an AFA eighty. Mm. And the bubble is clear. Hmm, that's a good one. I think I've seen this one, so I might have to recuse myself. No, wait, I'm not uh, looking it up now. I might. I might. But the thing is, I might have forgotten what the price is. So I'm going to say this, and if I'm on the money, then I'm either awesome or that's weird. But uh, I said <laughs> 700 Okay. Uh, Elling, what do you got? I had 650 Okay. And Tracy? I wrote seven fifty. Seven fifty. Three hundred and sixty-six. So Elling. Wow. That's, okay, that's I didn't see that one. <laughs> different, different. That's a bargain. Different, uh, different one for you, Sky Man. That, that's there. You go. Three sixty-six. So technically, <laughs> we had five auctions. Elling wins, but unless you want to do your your classic rule, Sky winner take all. Yeah, yeah. This one is is winner take all. This is this one's for all the money right here. This is you know this is game seven. This is you know overtime. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Right here. Oh yeah. Okay. We all right. Got so we're going back to three uh, PO on this one. Okay. But what we have is a uh, Italian four pack. 
So it's the one where you have the four carded figures underneath that kind of oh, um, you cardboard s- cover. Magnificent son of a <laughs> bitch. Look at you pulling out a four-pack. Way to go, Brisbane, Brisbane. You had you, yeah, you knew no, this, this was coming brilliant. down to this. You just, bam. All right. And I saved this one for last specifically in case things got too close. So, of course, um, we're tied so, up right here. We're knotted. Yeah. We're knotted. At, we each have all, it, two. You know what? It, I just we realized, Scott, we're always tied up if we always do winner's take all. So yes. <laughs> Pretty much. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> it has no point to this game, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the other figures, if, if you're curious, well, let's um, let's just talk about this because we haven't talked about these okay. four packs. I don't. So, I don't think so. So Italy yeah. would release a whole bunch of usually trilogo, yeah, trilogo figures, and they would mm. sort of smush them all together and put them in a weird mm. packaging, like weird rectangular packaging, all together, so that all you right. could see was the figures poking out from under the bubble, and they sounded really mm. good. And they looked really good. So. <laughs> So the other figures with with the three PO removable limbs, we have Lumat, one of the great Ewoks. You have Tebow, and then you have the Emperor. So mm. take take that with <laughs> take what you will with that. So that's, that's yeah, the legends figures. within the hobby here. Awesome. <laughs> <sighs> that, that's a good foursome uh, right there. You can make a whole movie about that. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very interesting storyline, but. Um, all right, so that's that's what we got here. It's not graded and it, uh, or anything. It's not just, not it's graded. Just, okay. No, uh, and it's and in look, fairly good condition shape. wise. I mean, condition from what it looks like, there's there's some uh, minor creasing in the top, so like the the Italian kind of cover. And figure wise, uh, the Lumat's got a decent dent in the bubble. The three PO bubble looks good, but it's yellow. Uh, the Emperor looks uh, about. You know, normal, nothing crazy, and then the the Tebow is uh, looks like it's got some dents on the top, but not a graded piece. Boy, with those four figures, uh, you're not running a risk of somebody swapping them out to increase the value. Uh huh. <laughs> sometimes you know you'll see like the multi packs and be like, yeah, it's Darth Vader, Boba Fett, and another Boba Fett. Yeah, see. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. All right. Uh, oh my god. Oh my god. I mean, this is for all. Of so our these are, this, this is a this is a tough one. I mean, wow. These, yeah, these are full size carded figures in a in a package. Right, with the little um, like kind of cardboard insert that goes over the top of the card backs to kind of sandwich okay. them all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so basically in Italian. The four figures overlapped, and they only have right. one card back image. Exposed. Yeah, so the one that's exposed is is Tebow. If that okay. helps. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, I I got, I oh, I got I got to change my number now if it's Tebow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that cuts it in half. Okay. All right. I have my numbers too. So, what do you what do you got, Sky? Eight saw bucks. Eight thousand dollars. Eight grand. All right. And Elling. Uh, I only had eighteen hundred. Okay. Tracy. I wrote down seventy five hundred. Dang, Elling, different twenty four seventy. So nice. Oh, <laughs> wow, you just barely squeaked Dominant. that one out. Just, wow. yeah, just, just barely. Yeah. Just, <laughs> well, just, by the rules of this nice. game, anyone who gets that last one is barely squeaking. Yeah, I gotta say, Tracy, I thought you had it. I, th- I thought you had it, but 
Wow. Uh, I, the, some of those multi-packs, the four multi-packs are just insane. I had no idea, but that's yeah. that's a great work, Ellie. Yeah. Yeah, thank so you. Thank you. It. Yeah, and those Italian ones, I mean, they're not, I, to me, from what I recall, I mean, they're just not quite the same demand. And then certain characters, they're tough condition as well, like um, a lot of these multi-packs, because the bubbles are so exposed, they just get thrashed. Yeah. Uh, mm. So I think condition and character really... Knocks the heck out of this one, so. Good find, uh, Brisbane, Brisbane. That was a perfect finale. Yeah, it's a perfect, perfect one to go out on. Yeah. And then. Yeah, big kudos to, to Mike and Pete for doing this for 75 yeah. episodes. I mean, yeah. those guys are yeah, phenomenal, so. And Mike did yeah. this, like, within 36 hours, which is <laughs> standard, so I, it's, I really can't say how much I appreciate it. It's, it's great. And Nice, yeah, that's awesome. Good work. Yeah, and we're, we're, it's, yeah, I wonder how many episodes have, because they started. They started fairly early on. Yeah. I have to say, because I was doing this for just I feel like a little while, and um, no, it's mm-hmm. it's been instrumental to to the show. So, yeah, it's um, great. Yeah. Well, then I think that just leaves us with one more lightning round with uh, Tracy. Yep. So be it. What is your favorite bad line from a Star Wars movie? And you can't take uh, Captain Panaka. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely going to be a Jar Jar line. Okay. And I think I think it's the one where he says, uh, "Well, that smells stinkawiff." <laughs> <laughs> you know, once... how would you even spell that out? That's just like I can't even hardly say it. Uh, I think it would be S T I N K A W I F F maybe. Yeah. You know what, Sky? I think one of these days, when I run out of of script things, I need to go look up the episode one scripts. I know the Writers Guild has it. I need to just. It might be a very difficult thing experience, but I feel like I need to to better understand <laughs> where, where this whole thing came from. I just want to say, yeah. okay, say what you will about Jar Jar, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, no, no. He's very quotable, okay? Like, that's true. That smells stinko with. It doesn't matter, like, why you're saying it. You can be saying it ironically or seriously, but that's a fun thing to throw. Right. I, I've done that in my rotation. Uh, calling something bombad, I've done that before. Referring to breakfast as, as, as frisky morning munchin'. That is great. <laughs> That's a good one. The Frisky Morning Munchin is, I happen to like that one. Oh. Uh, and uh, Misa Back. Yeah, uh, I have thrown out a uh, Misa Back. Misa Back. Um, and yeah, then, Misa Back. And then all yeah. the stuff that he recorded for uh, Robot Chicken. Like, the, if this is an escape, where's a pod? Like, my son will quote that a lot. Like, if we're somewhere, if he's like, you know, if this is a buffet, where's the chicken? Or whatever it is. Like, he just said, that's a great setup for a joke. Like, oh, that is know. good stuff. I won't argue with that. Yeah. So I, it, it's not quite like so Captain anyway. Panaka. You can't quote Captain Panaka, you know? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's a gangster. That's for wrong. Yes, but that's Sayo Bibble. Oh, no, that is Captain Panaka, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I guess yeah. you can quote him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, well, good. Then uh, let's switch up the order. Then, if the uh, the do you have a name for your collection, Tracy? I do not have a name. I'll have to work on that. Okay. Uh, if, so, if you did have one, the uh, what 
Wait, are you related to uh, Hamilton, the the, the famous uh, founder of the sec- of the of the Treasury? Uh, in fact, um, a, a friend, a good friend of mine that um, I used to go to church with, he had a history book that traced uh, Alexander Hamilton all the way from um, Britain to um, where my family originally is from. My grand, my great grandparents are from. So I, I would say it's fair to say he's prob- I'm probably in that line. We're probably in that line. Yeah. Sweet. Hey, well, that being a good question. And Elling, are you related to Finsker Hoag? No, not that I'm no. aware of. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Um, Steve, that's exciting, right? Are you gonna Are you gonna tell uh, your lady friend that you interviewed somebody who's related to Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> I think she'd appreciate it. Yeah. Do, do you have a middle yeah. name, Tracy? Uh, Martin. Tracy Martin Hamilton. My name is Tracy Martin Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of prototypes that I don't own. Just you wait. Yeah, oh, we're going here. This is good. Oh, boy. Like it. Oh, boy. Tracy Martin. Sounds like the making of a new podcast, guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what if your collection was, was burning down because it was burned by uh, uh, Jimmy Burr? Uh, what would be the mm-hmm. one item you would uh, take from it? Oh man, that is a really tough one. But I would have to say probably the original three uh, PO photo art. Yeah, that's just yeah. a beautiful From thing. The... But because they you, they fully airbrushed out R two D two, right? That's correct. Yeah, and it's just that that amazing the just the redness of that's the one thing I noticed from getting the twenty one back card back is just the redness of that card back is so beautiful, and uh, yeah. Yeah, just to be able to. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I agree with you. That was one of the things that uh, appealed to me about three PO and kind of got me into the focus. Is I've always been enamored with well, not only C three PO as a droid, a human, you know, humanistic droid, but the Death Star was just you know the fact that they had a an entire space station in the shape of a planet, and then that scene of him in the control room is just I don't know, it's just magical and so that was the first 12 back i bought and that kind of led me to into my 3po focus but yeah the imagery now does that would probably be does the photo art exist for the second photo um i don't think i've ever seen it i don't think i've ever seen it either i'm not sure it does exist and it does it exist for locked up in europe someplace yeah does it exist for r2d2 you know what? It um, I do believe it. Did, I do believe it does. I'll have to go back. I have a um, a very very early list that has most of the photo art that was available. I'll have to go back and look. But I believe ah, you know what? I I shouldn't say. I don't know for sure. I'll have to go back and, and research that. Uh, you want to share that list? Sure. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I would, well, it's at, it's at my, my work computer, but I'll be I'll be happy to share that with you. But is that like even older than Nyhazel's list, or is it the first no, version of Nyhaz, it? Yeah, it's an early version of it. Yeah. Okay, like when when a lot of the twelve back stuff was still out there. Yeah, when wow. some of the twelve, some of the twelve back stuff. I don't know if it was all the twelve back stuff, but I 
for some reason, I want to say I I remember either removable limbs three PO being on there. I'm not sure about R2, but I'll, I'll have a look and I'll forward it to you guys. Okay, cool. Um, and actually, wait, I have another question for you. What's up with the pictures that you sent? You sent so Tracy sent all these weird pictures, but he sent it like three minutes into the recording, and uh, there's some like weird stuff oh. here. So do, do you want to talk about I'm that? I'm sorry. Those, those were supposed to come through earlier. I sent those earlier. So what, why do you have C-3PO uh, hugging a Diet Pepsi can? You know what? I don't know why. I sent. I just sent some weird stuff. Um, that's a total. That's that's like a one of a kind internal mock up. You know, conceptual thing that never saw the light of day. Thankfully. What What is it? It's a. It's just a. a, a you know, a, a can holder, like a. You know, to drink from the can, like a handle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so yeah, if you're looking at your phone, you're you're understanding me. If you're not, you're just hearing me saying what's going on, which is okay because the proper answer is what's going on. It is a right. a vintage C-3PO, looks like a solid limbed 3PO, and mm-hmm. he's holding on to like little styrofoam. Yeah, it's like I believe it's either uh, a, a thin plastic. That's been heated. That's been. It was heated up and formed around a diet Pepsi can, and he's kind of like sticking on, sticking off of it as his arms are attached, and then there's he's on a base that's attached at the bottom, so it makes like a handle. <laughs> totally conceptual, I, I, totally would, hand done. Is this on the archive? Has this been shown before? Be, I don't know. I picked it up um, from the earth. I don't even think. It was for sale publicly, and I picked it up a long time ago. And I don't, I don't know that very many people have even seen it. <laughs> and now, now do, do we know when it, when it was made? Because is is this the original can that was with it? Can we date it by the, it is by the Diet Pepsi design? Yeah, that's the original can that was in it that was left in it, and I believe it was you know probably early, very early early eighties. This thing is amazing. Steve, isn't it, it great? It totally is. I, I didn't. We're restarting the episode. The, the episode is now half over because we have to spend the rest of the time talking about this Diet Pepsi holder. This is awesome, Steve. We got to make these Thank for the you, archive yeah. party. Ooh. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> That's a great idea. <clears throat> Diet Pepsi oh, holder. Man. That's great. Okay, so that's the first weird trip to Tracy Martin Hamilton's collection. Now, what's the what? You know, Ellen, do do you know Ross Cuddy really well, or am I just thinking all Canadians get along? No, I know him. We're very good friends. So because I, having him on the show was really funny, because I really got the sense that like everything I said was really pissing him off. But I thought that was kind of funny, so I like kind of kept it going. And then the more sort of like annoying I got, the more deadpan he got. So it was kind of a, a funny, mm. a funny interaction. Yeah. But uh, uh, he's 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 actually got a great sense of humor. He can have this really funny, dry wit about him. So no, that, that's just it. It wasn't that he wasn't funny. It was that he was doing the whole thing of just like it seemed like we were playing the <laughs> role of me being a jackass and him being the guy who didn't appreciate my jackassery. 
And, <laughs> and it was, anyways, it was, it, it was very amusing to me at the time. And it, it would have been a great podcast to, to actually video cast because, I mean, <laughs> the, the look on his face as he sat yeah. there all frumpy would have been a hoot. So. <laughs> because, you know, I did the whole Ross Cuddy, Bam Shabam. Like, that was, I was trying to get the theme song going for him. And now I got Tracy Martin Hamilton. You know, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, but but Steve, your lady friend makes you listen to Hamilton all the time, right? Yeah, What's that? yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's always playing in the car on a road trip. Okay, so then the the next thing that you have is a picture of what looks like a a three PO from the droids line with a broken foot. What's the deal with this one? Yeah, yeah, that's one of those. Um, it's not articulated. It's just a single piece that was uh, made from wax and hand-painted. Uh, I guess they were going to do a more, you know, a cartoon version before they decided to just use the same tooling from the uh, original 3PO. So he's, he's got some different um, sculpted details and things like that. And, yeah, unfortunately, his foot did break off at one point. Yeah. So it's an early concept piece for the droids flying, so... Yeah, that that's quite a quite a cool piece because there's not very many of those unarticulated pieces out there. There's uh, like Sal Jobin and Jan Tosh, uh, Kia, right. and then the th then the three PO. So yeah, that three PO is pretty awesome. Very distinctive as well. You can see in a lot of the old uh, like Tomart magazine and stuff like that, they were the ones that I think sort of first uh, published imagery of of those characters and stuff like that. Had the big find of unproduced droids mm -hmm. and Ewoks. So yeah, that's yeah, awesome. that's right. Uh, and then. Oh, also, you you provided a little run of all your uh, all your first shots and 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 prototypes. So uh, we we talked about all oh, of those. Yeah. Right? Is there one of those you'd like to talk about, Tracy? Yeah. Nope, we talked. We covered all of those. Yes. Uh, yeah, I just threw the, I just sent those over to you, and then I sent a couple uh, mock-ups from where just just where they changed the uh, nameplate for uh, C3PO removal limbs when they went from the uh, well, it went from the Empire, and then on the Revenge. Okay, so so it's uh, a, a Revenge it. of the Jedi proof card with uh, the right. the free Nien nub, like pretty standard two square corner proof card. But for some yeah. reason, in the green where it's supposed to say C three PO, it says C three PO, but it's in white, like cut out mock up. So why why does it why is it like that? On the Empire card back, it says C three PO just as you know, not not spelled out, and then in the parentheses below it says "removable limbs." So now at this Thank point, you. they kind yeah. of they spelled out his name uh, and got rid of the "removable limbs" uh, tag. Okay, that's correct. So that's basically a mock-up of what it looked like when they went to the uh, Return of Jedi card, right. and it's just it's done with black text over white because that was for position. And then, so is basically. Is R two D two spelled out on Jedi figures as well? Uh, that's a good question. It is. Yep. Why do you think? Why do you think okay. they did that? Why do they start spelling them out? I don't know. Well, actually, for for R two, it was spelled out all the time. So it's spelled out, you know, R two D two, and then in brackets, parentheses, it's the the abbreviated R two dash D two. So, so they're kind of going back to the, their uh, their original format. Then is that on the twelve back? Does it say is it is this how it's formatted for three PO? Yeah, like, so for R, for R two, it's consistent throughout Star Wars Empire um, and Jedi. It's got you know both the long and the the short version of the name. 
that I just not only do you have, is that not something I've ever paid attention to. I never Ooh. know where to put the dash in C three PO. When I used, to, I'm so glad I have my 21 back because I used to like look up like ESB C three PO, but I'd be like. Mm-hmm. Is there a dash at all? Is it after the C? Is it after the three? I know it's not after the P, so I know it's I, you know one of those three options. But yeah, it's after the C, so there you go. It looks like yeah. you know the, the the astromech type of droids like R two and R five. It's two letters or whatever, two places, then a dash. Whereas the you know like the humanoid droids like four lom or four lom, whatever you're you're calling it today. And then C three PO, it's it's one character, a hyphen, and then three characters. So even there, mm. they've maintained consistent consistency. So wow, awesome, good good catch. All right, well now that we can get back to our lightning round, our excruciatingly long lightning round, where we actually edited out a whole bunch of super secret talk about things that aren't that are not public yet. So uh, you can uh, you can maybe we'll release that later on some version and then take it down. Uh, that's right. Stay tuned. But but once you see that's, that's, the, that's the way to win fans, Steve. Yes, mm-hmm. the job. Yes, absolutely. You get <laughs> fans by by not giving them something they weren't going to listen to in the first place. Um, <laughs> you're not going to get better than the C three PO diet Pepsi holder. Um, no, that that is incredible. Because if you didn't <laughs> if you didn't feel like a pansy enough for drinking diet Pepsi. I don't know. I think that uh, the the production piece, the three C three PO uh, Scotch tape dispenser, is like the the <laughs> most epic piece ever. That's true. That's pretty. Yeah, you have that piece, Tracy? I think I you need that. Regardless that of oh I man, don't. every three oh PO collector should have that. Yeah, I know. I, should, I need to get that. I have that at my Iconic. desk at work, and it, no matter oh, who yeah. it is that walks by, they just stop and they they just give me the strangest <laughs> look. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Absolutely. Even robots need a good gynecologist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, let's see, what question were we on, Steve? Oh, uh, what is Tracy Martin Hamilton's gra- uh, grail? Oh, it would definitely have to be the uh, original sculpting for the mm-hmm. 3PO yeah. action figure, which I'm, I'm guessing was done in acetate, and I'm I would imagine it's just a, a beautiful work of art. Yeah. Do you think it's acetate? I mean, now photos of that have exist. I mean, that was in uh, Stephen Sansweet's concept of screen collectible, wasn't it? Along with the Vader. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and, I, I and looking at it, I don't think it's acetate. I mean, and I don't know. Is, yeah, is it wax? I, I think it's it's kind of dirty. I think it's a, a wax piece, but. I mean, I've only, yeah, I haven't looked at those photos for for a while. You're probably I, right. That book is actually the real nugget. There's a lot of cool pieces in there that you know a lot of yeah. collectors, even myself. I mean, like I've recently, you know, within the last year, I guess, looked at the book. But you know, it was like many years before that since I I had picked up the book. You know, bought it originally in whatever it was, '92 or something like that. You know, you read it and then you put it away for five, ten years and, and forget about mm-hmm. so many of the, the great pieces in there. So Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was no, I amazing. That, that that's, I think it's it's I think it's wax. Yeah, I see I got I've got the picture right here and I believe you are correct. Yeah. yeah. And even if you look at it like the whole acetate versus wax thing, you know, I think it it's often 
from what I can tell from the way that I've learned about this by hosting a podcast about it, um, that the lines on C-3PO really aren't that mechanical. Like they don't look mm-hmm. – like if you compare it to, to like, I don't know, 2-1-B or other droids, he doesn't actually look that mechanical. The lines seem kind of soft, so that, that wouldn't surprise me. All right, and then the last question, Tracy, if you were a Star Wars vintage item, which one would mm. you be? Oh my goodness. Which item would I would I I guess I would It's an existential question. Don't have to be you know, like you could be a Diet Pepsi holder, I don't know. I could be. I just or might be. <laughs> I would like to think I could be C-3PO, actually. Okay. Do, do you think that you might be C-3PO? And if so, why? I might I might be C-3PO, the, the action figure, yeah. Okay, why? I, I don't know, that's a good question there. I didn't know I was going to have to back it up. Because <laughs> Tracy is likely quite literally one of the, the politest people in the hobby that I've met. So. Oh, oh well, thank you so much. <laughs> That's true, but between you and Jonathan Robinson, I don't think I've been called sir this much in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> without without somebody adding, you're making the scene, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right. I'm going to have to ask you to leave, or please put your hands behind your head, sir. I mean, that's usually... <laughs> yeah. Sir, you're making the scene. <laughs> yeah, it's Squeeze into your pocket, sir. <laughs> Okay, well then, re- removable limbs or solid limbs, Tracy? Ooh, I would have to go with the solid limbs, yeah. Yeah, because the, the you're, you're a solid guy. Because right. I think you, I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, uh, I think, uh, Steve, that, that pretty much rounds out our, our 75th episode. We'll, we'll do feedback as yeah. we usually do uh, on our own, but, but we'll thank our roundtable guests. Yeah, thank you guys so much for, for coming uh, on. Thank you. Yeah, thank that you was for the invitation, guys. I've had a great time. From now on, all my friends are going to be strangers. Oh, cool. You know what, Steve? That ended up being an actual roundtable. Yeah, that was great. It didn't really feel like a like a like a double interview as much as it was like kind of having them in on the conversation. Yeah, I thought that was that's always a good sign. So, yeah, and there there are people who I feel like I know, but I don't know particularly well. Yeah, and now I feel like I know them better. Yeah, and so, I mean, like you said, they need, they should have been on the show a long time ago. Yeah. So if the show is for anything else, it means next time I go to celebration, I'll feel closer and more comfortable talking with Elling and Tracy. So yeah, and I think you will too as listeners, because that's the other thing too. You know, like you get to know people better. I think. Yeah. I hope so. As you listen to it. So speaking of listeners, Steve, we have feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's like you said, when you, when you start posting these episodes to places like Rebel Scum, you either get very profuse feedback or very little. Um, but when we got little bits, it's still great. So I figured we'd start start with the... The forums. Um, okay. So you asked you asked for a space Leatherface, and Jared once again <laughs> delivered. Yes. Magnificently. Uh, it's uh, it's a great image of of old uh, Forlorn with his uh, Leatherface apron and, and bloody chainsaw. <laughs> uh, that's great. 
um, and then uh, another Rebel Scum user kind of you know took on the the baggy thing and, and kind of made him reminisce about uh, some of the stuff he's picked up over the last few years and and I posted a nice picture of it so at least you know the topical nature did speak to somebody so we didn't have to be so scared of baggies anymore. <laughs> Was Baggies away last month? Yeah, yeah. Wait, so we interviewed Bill last month? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's been a little while. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is is that you'll hear... See, this is one of these episodes where I think about how am I going to be piecing it all together, and I have no yeah. idea how I'm going to piece yeah. it all together, because I've got think- like, all, all these other stories, and like, where am I going to place them together? And so like, I basically... I took a long time to edit together all the celebration stuff. So I feel like yeah. I've already released this month's episode. So Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's true. Um, it's going to be a, a behemoth, but when you're having your 75th jamboree, right? So. That's right. <laughs> um, and then, um, let's see. We had a couple things on Facebook. Uh, let's see here. When... Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> you're... Uh, you're Troopy thing is is still, dare I say, alive. Is it? I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Someone responded. Uh, Drew uh, Drew Timothy responded with Vinti Minchi Troopy baggies, liking your. Uh, <laughs> and I hate that I just said that. I feel like that just it just it's feeding this terrible monster. But yeah, that that might be the opening of the show. Who knows? Oh no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, oh, so I mean, you you had your new kind of skimmed down intro and, and Michael uh, gave his two cents on that See, he likes the intro music from actually three plus episodes ago but now he has Spiegel stuck in his head <laughs> oh yeah which is great yeah, um, I just I, I don't know what to do with the opening I just keep messing with it can I can I tell you the real tricky thing you're, you're going George with it you're tinkering can I tell you the real thing of it is yeah the original version instrumental is better yeah okay the problem is in order to get the horns, I have to download that version of GarageBand. Really? If I update GarageBand, uh, I lose podcast function, like function, yeah, on GarageBand. Yeah, right. I can't have them enhanced, and now especially with YouTube, which, by the way, Steve, do you know why it feels like great. it was several episodes ago on YouTube? You've because been, uh, you've been... <laughs> you stupid space freaks, you need to listen to me. I put every single enhanced episode of the Kivecast up on YouTube. Every single one of them is up there. That's from episode yeah. 32 through 75. You're welcome. They're on there. And one more thing, Steve. I've started enhancing unenhanced episodes. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the true, like, restored edition of the Kivecast. <laughs> yes. this There's Ronto in this here Kivecast. <laughs> oh, God. So, Greedo is shooting first. The Tanika sisters are either there or not there, depending on what happened. I See, this is what this is what a good summer break will give to you, right? Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> I had to actually start writing that paper, so I only did one. But still, <laughs> over the over the span of the next several years, I'm going to start enhancing old episodes, yeah. which will be fun because you've never heard them enhanced like with the images. Yeah. So if you're not on our on our YouTube page, just go there. I don't just subscribe, would you? I finally subscribed, Sky. In case you no, did. no, I'm talking to the listeners. Just subscribe, just because it makes when when there is a number. The thing is, when you release a podcast, there's so few numbers. So well, I'm talking like Trump. When you release a podcast, oh, God. Stop. there are so few numbers. <laughs> Stop it. Okay, but the thing is, you need like numbers help you feel better about yourself. 
You know, like I, I think about the, the the Vintage Rebellion, and they're all through Podbean, and so they have a little counter in the side of all the right, people who've right. interacted with their site and everything. I'm like, ooh, I want a number. So YouTube is a place where you can give me a number so I can feel better about myself. So you, you <laughs> if nothing else, do it for for Sky's well being. <laughs> do it for poor me. I have it. I have it so bad. No, so. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, just subscribe to YouTube, and also like we put up random videos there. I put up a video with Yehuda. Have you? Did you see that one, Steve? I did. It was uh, quite good. I also really liked your uh, your Chewbacca dad <laughs> baggy. Oh yes. <laughs> see, it's been that long. Yeah. <laughs> oh lord. Eventually, we just we just put stuff up there, and uh, oh wait a minute, you're right, Steve. You're right. You know, I'm getting all confused. Now that I'm on Facebook, I forget what I do on the podcast and what I do in regular collecting. Yeah. yeah. I, uh... I released – I made a video of Chewbacca Dad. I opened up – I did a unboxing video with the Chewbacca baggie that, that I got. That you got from Bill, right? That I got from Bill Wills. Yeah. There you wow, go. Steve. Was that really just last month? That was last month. This is going to be torture for people who listen to the episodes back yeah. to back. They're like, yes, Sky, it was last month. Stop talking about it being last month. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, yeah, so I made a Jubaka video. And it was funny because most of the feedback on that was like, gee, Sky, be careful because I'm like waving it all over the place. Um, and it turns out that people are usually a lot less cavalier when they're waving their baggies back and forth. <laughs> But the real the real secret to that is it was a really hot day, and when I started filming, <laughs> I was chewing gum. Oh no! <laughs> I was chewing gum, and I didn't want to be chewing gum on the video because Chewbacca Mom wasn't. So I did a full you know impersonation, but instead of getting excited about the stupid mask, I got excited about the great baggie. So when I was done filming the video, I put the figure down right on top of the hot gum. Oh no! Sky. <laughs> so I, it, it's not really destroyed, but there's little. It, it's really hard to get gum off of old plastic. So the production of the video it was sacrificed. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, but you know we're all about that. And then Yehuda and I made a video of using an old Helix. Um, uh, a pencil sharpener, right? Because right. my daughter actually needed a, a, a pencil sharpened, and it was upstairs in the ATATX. So, yeah. if you'd like to see, does a uh, pencil sharpener work? Uh, an old Helix British uh, stationery doesn't work. You can find out. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about this episode, Steve, is I feel like we are getting to all the things I wanted to get to, but in a really circuitous route. That happens sometimes with us. It, it's yeah. just the way it goes. So, like, like I meant to do, like in the news, you know, talk about the the museum and then talk about my videos and do all this stuff. But instead, I feel like I took all of the information, threw it. You sprinkled it across. Yeah. It's all sprinkled. <laughs> which might actually be more more entertaining than having it be be more rigid. But then there's a, a big piece of feedback, Steve. Yes. And uh, and that's from friend of the podcast and fellow podcaster Mike Havrat. Harvat. Uh, what's on. that, Steve? Uh, this again? <laughs> oh, did you did you say Havrat again? <laughs> yeah, sorry, my bad. Yeah, it's Harvat. 
Havrat doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. Harvat. Okay? It's a yeah. it's a, it's a Hungarian name. Um and and it means brother. So it's cool because they're both brothers. I, I made that up. Okay. So But Mike Mike uh, he did he let us know that he had sent uh quite a quite a big bit of feedback that he'd been meaning to for a while and, and I actually just finally got a chance to read it today and it's it's really it's really great and I don't know I, I don't know how much you want to get into it Sky but um, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll leave that up to you but so he, he made it through all of them and so let's just go through some of his of his feedback just because this, like will be, th- this will be fun so we'll we'll we'll, we'll not do all the personal stuff because okay. I'm not quite clear if he wants it, you know, read back, whatever it was. So we have the, um, his bullet points, though. Yes. But okay. but mainly, you know, he's very complimentary and talks about the, the chemistry between us and about all the stuff that he's learned and all the things that this kind of feedback is what keeps the show going because I, we don't have the little numbers. <laughs> so it's really <laughs> helpful to know. So we'll, we'll go uh, um, one after the other. All right. So uh, it starts off with the nugget drop is by far the king of all drops. Um, <laughs> I, I I am both happy about that and much like Brian Wilson going crazy after making pet sounds, I am frustrated that I think the new Chris Jorgulius drop is is pretty good, but I, uh, I, nothing will ever beat the nugget drop. No, I know that's that. true. I, okay. I agree. So next one. I, next, he says uh, he still feels like he knows nothing about coins. <laughs> now, is he making fun of us or himself? I think he's making fun of us because every time we talk <laughs> about it, coins, we just take it back. <laughs> okay, I love the attention given to mortar heads, black velvet paintings, etc. Yeah, we we support our, our fellow <laughs> our fellow much more talented artists. <laughs> yeah, much more creatives. I feel that we should maybe do that more. I think we should yeah. spend more time with art. I mean, I know my brother Amos, uh, speaking of, um, I'm sorry, my Harvat Amos, because um, he is a good brother, and Harvat is Hungarian for good brother. Um, uh, and actually, ironically, Havrat is Hungarian for bad brother. So it's very confusing. Um, actually, uh, once Bill told me that when they get angry at each other, they'll be like, you are a have rat. So we should have more artists on. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, that uh, Michael Cooper, who we've had on once or twice, uh, he's an art teacher. I actually, another thing that was on my bullet list of things to do is I've been spending a lot of time at the frame shop. Um, yeah. And so I got my, my six-foot Kenner... Uh, <laughs> Most gigantic frame ever. <laughs> yes, it cost like three hundred bucks to get it framed, but the thing is, like, what are you going to do with a six foot by three foot item? Except frame it, and put it up on the wall, you know, yeah. instead of having it be, you know, downstairs in the basement. Yeah, that was a good good move. So yeah, so I also got uh, Michael Cooper's uh, Chewbacca print that he gave me. Um, yeah. So yeah, we should do more of that. Okay. Yes. More and more artists. Um, Okay, so then we have uh, the unloved item features <laughs> have driven me to eBay more than I'd like to admit, and that's <laughs> that's kind of the one of the drawbacks. <laughs> that's right. Enjoy your switcheroo. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, let's see. I also kive and drive more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> I'm not quite sure exactly what it is, but that sounds great. Uh, he says he feels like he knows Matthias, even though he's never had any kind of contact with him. And that's 
That's fair. Well, that's that's the joy of of this medium. That's well, like know? what you just said, you know, with with, with uh, Tracy and Elling. Hopefully, now people can feel like they know them a bit. So, well, yeah, but it's the magic of this medium is that I'm talking to you and you are hearing my voice and you are doing whatever the hell you are doing right now and you are listening to me. And I don't know if there's ten of you and I don't know if there's a thousand of you, but you're sitting here and you're hearing me talk and this is exactly how I talk all day, every day. Um, and that's that's just really. I mean, yesterday I went to Planet of the Apes. You know, um, the Fathom movie series. They do like old classic movies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And um, they had one of my favorite podcasters and Simpsons writers, Dana Gould, and he was actually in oh. a Doctor Zayas outfit, and <laughs> he was like doing a, a an intro, and it was awesome, and I got so excited. Even though I've never met Dana Gould, I'll probably never meet him. But like it really felt to me like my friend was on the screen introducing the movie, even though he's like a famous Hollywood writer, you know. Yeah, um, that's okay. that's that's great. Um, um, let's see. See, uh, I like how Sky wasn't afraid to delve into the psychology of Rick Springfield's self-loathing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. And of course, Steve was not afraid to when. Dancing with depression, dancing with Mr. D. <laughs> Steve <laughs> thought I was dancing with Mr. T. Steve. Is that what started the whole thing? The yeah, whole... you don't you don't remember that? I know I remember that, but I couldn't. That must have been that had to have been the the foundation of of uh, stupidity. Yes, no, it, it was. <laughs> so it was the first year of recording the podcast it was when Rick Springfield came out as a fan. Yeah, and I went out and read his book, and I mentioned that he talked about his depression as Mr. D and you said I thought you said Mr. T and so then I just looked around for good Mr. T mp3s that I could put on the show and that's, so that's, and that's where uh, that's where it all came from yeah, yeah. this is great this is perfect for the Carbillon Jubilee here this yeah this, uh, this 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 is great because it's recapping all 75 episodes okay next one yeah uh, let's see. Uh, I remember being particularly entertained by the Lions Made segment. I love it when you guys read goofy and unique text off of various forms of packaging. And yeah, that's. <laughs> it is really one of the funnest things to do, especially when you have something like that, or like the, the uh, where the where the space freak came from. You right. Know, it's 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 that that kind of when you really look at the stuff, it <laughs> it's kind of hard to believe that that's that's what was made. It's just nuts. Yeah, um, I appreciate Sky's random theologizing. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know my my father was an Episcopal minister or priest or I don't know what they call themselves Episcopal dude man. Um, he stopped before before I was alive, um, but uh, yeah, that that does run in my family, and uh, I know uh, Mike is a, a dude man. <laughs> <That's well. laughs> All right. That's, I always that's get confused. It, that's it. No, Steve, because Catholics are the only ones who can be called priests, or the only ones who can be called ministers. One of See, them. So you're going to be the dude man at my at my wedding. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> because I'm going to be officiating Steve's wedding. I'm going to be as, dude as the dude man. man. <laughs> uh, uh, the, oh, man. the Church of Space Freak. I am. Uh, uh, yes, I'm going to be the dude man at your wedding. <laughs> So if you know the answer to that, Mike, what is the one that only Catholic? I think Catholics can only be priests 
And that sounds right. Protestant, that sounds right. You can be a minister. So my dad was an Episcopal minister. Okay. Although Episcopalians are basically Catholics without a pope. So anyway. you're, you're starting to get into your random theological. <laughs> <laughs> I am getting into random thing, but yeah. And then part of what I study is you know philosophy and and all that, and pretty much right up until the 18th century, there was no such thing as culture that wasn't tied into some concept of God. Right. Um. um uh, Okay, so the next the next item here. I'm yes. glad you guys didn't try pushing the lists thing too much. And I uh, that's I agree that the, the list making lists and, and all that. It, it turns out I was terrible at it. That's uh, <laughs> yes. probably one reason that I should never do it. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> and number nine on Mike Harvat's top fifteen things about the Kivecast. Right. The story time segments are some of my favorite segments ever to happen on the podcast. Same goes for roundtable discussions. Yeah, you know, I think we have a lot more stories than we have story time drops. But yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, the stories uh, are are fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a valid point. Okay. Uh, so he was heartbroken when the microcast was not about the micro collection. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> because it totally wasn't. We called it no. a microcast. Why no. did we call it the microcast? That's going to confuse people in perpetuity. For, They're going to go yeah, back to no, the episode. Exactly. Go, oh, here's the one where they talk about the micro collection. Nope. <laughs> nope. Oh, here's the one they talk about, Obi-Wan. Um, uh, uh, can see. I just say that when we actually did get David Carr to talk about Obi-Wan, he, we didn't actually end up talking about Obi-Wan that much, so we're still without there. Still still lacking. Um, yep. um, let's see. What do we got next? Uh, anytime you guys give a figured nickname, I adopt it without even thinking about it. And I'll de- I call Dengar Hedwin Harry more than I call him Dengar. <laughs> and the cloud car pilot is an ice cream salesman in my mind. <laughs> oh, that that's that might be the best bit of. If... <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of that too is you know the 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 feedback and and Jared the stuff Jared does and, yeah, and Ollie yeah. and John and all the all the great you know, stuff we have going on there. And then his last one, of course, yeah. is Troopies for Life, which he spelled O-I-F-E. Yes. Which is great. Awesome. Uh, thank, uh, so you. You, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Mike. It's this been is, a wild, hilarious, informative, fun ride. Thanks for being so enthusiastic, positive, and inclusive. The Kivecast has been an on-ramp for me and the hobby, and I'm sure it's been for countless others. What you do is a huge credit to the community of Star Wars fans and collectors. Thank you. Well, that is great. That is really appreciated. I can say that that your guys' podcast, this is going to sound goofy, but it is an on-ramp for Nebraska living. Um, <laughs> I, I seriously, when I, because I also follow them on Facebook, whatever, and yeah, they're always yeah, talking, so you know, because they're Harvats, you know, they're good brothers. So, like, they talk around and, like, Phil, who's also in the show, you know, does that too. And, you know, they have the guitar solos and they do all these things and they have like game nights and it seems like they're living this like really awesome tight knit fun world in Nebraska. Yeah. And and even though I've lived in, in Paris and Los Angeles and Oakland and Boston, like I'm always thinking like, oh man, those guys in Nebraska are having all the fun. Yeah. So <laughs> so, so someday we'll have to we'll have to Maybe there'll be Celebration Nebraska. That'd be fun. We can see what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, and uh, micro machines are, are still not vintage, but that's okay. Hey, 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 come on. <laughs> I'm with you on that, Mike. Even if it's just a club of, of three with you, me, and Tommy, it's okay. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, great. Yeah. So, well, that, you know what? There's, I'm sure there's more feedback, but that made me feel good. So let's just stop there. <laughs> it's probably a good time to stop. Um, all right. So cool. next time we're, we're getting back to, uh, what, what, who are we doing next? How did you describe him last month? <laughs> I was off. Yeah. That's, that's, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. He's, he's one of my favorites. So yeah. Well, you know, and, and I should be finished with my 48 back B run by that time. <laughs> you I, very I know, well could be. I did go from three to ten in under I a mean, month. That was so. quite a quite a spike in uh, yeah. in activity. So good on you. All right, cool. Well, then uh, I'll I'll definitely be editing this in the next week or so, um, and then I'll be seeing Steve next month when I will be the dude man officiating his wedding. <laughs> so yeah, I guess uh, the next time we record, I might be a, a married man, right? Very yeah. well possible. Or I'll probably just have my iPhone in my pocket recording. Oh, no, no, no. Re- recording the whole service. <laughs> I know you you say that in jest, but I'm gonna have to like pat you down when you when you come up there. <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's been good. All right. Wampa wampa. Adios.